This is what Frank Peretti's uh, background, like, because he, he does his own, like, background voices and sound effects and stuff yeah. in oh, the God. audiobook. Uh, and oh, so, my like, God. When it's like, it's like he walked in and it, the place was full of scary demons. And in the background, you start. <laughs> 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 so good. It's so terrible. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. So many possible worlds. Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds, the first and only podcast that does all the voices and the sound effects. I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. I'm the worst of all possible AJ's. And I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. <laughs> oh no, a banana peel! Whoa! And joining us today is Scott Benson, uh, the man behind video games, the, the guy who made video games, who invented them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Astral photographer, uh, illustrator, you know him, of course, for Night in the Woods. Uh, Scott is joining us to talk about This Present Darkness, the 1988, I want to uh, say? 86, but okay. it didn't really it's start selling until 88. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so 1986 to 88 novel yeah. Uh, by yeah Frank Peretti. <laughs> Uh, if you're a longtime listener of our show, you might remember that a very long time ago, we reviewed the movie of Hangman's Curse. The yes. young adult novel by Frank Peretti. And I was planning mostly because there have been a few movie adaptations of Frank Peretti. I was planning on mostly sticking to that. But the thing is, this present darkness is the Frank Peretti book. Yes. yes. It's the thing that you mm-hmm. really have to talk about over yeah. all of the other novels. Yeah. I think that like this one, it's sequel. And then maybe the Cooper Kids books were also like yeah. those were like the biggest of his non the this present darkness stuff i think although to be fair i did not follow him into some of his 2000s uh stuff yeah. so maybe that's the most uh, uh maybe he, that's the, you didn't no, miss he, much this present darkness was certainly the biggest yeah um uh, after those two i think probably the biggest seller was the oath so he's mm-hmm. had sort of diminishing sales ever since although i think he actually improved greatly as a writer which is not to say that he ever was good uh <laughs> just that he got so much better than what we read here in order to understand this present darkness and where it came from and what its deal is, I think we first need to dig into the context around the creation and publication of this book. Um, yeah. And I think, so, Brian, you've got some stuff, right? Yeah. So right. Frank Peretti, uh, he was born in 1951. He's uh, he's a boomer. He's a true boomer. Uh, he was born in Canada. No, but he... after reading this? <laughs> <laughs> no way. He's a Zoomer for sure. It is rare to read a book that is more of its time mm-hmm. than this yeah. book. Yeah. Like, the, like yeah, this yeah, yeah. hyper-specific things, we'll get into it later, that get said. Like, the, it, it is as if it was heard in snippets in a panic, this is what's going on out in the world <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. And so some of the stuff that, you know, the, the daughter comes out with, it's like, yeah, no one after 1987 was worried about that phrase. Right. Yes. Or something. <laughs> it's like if someone says, like, you know, cultural Marxism, or if someone yeah. says, like, secular humanism like the christians aren't freaking out of her secular humanism in that sense anymore so you can no. yeah. you can spot it based on the panic term for gay communism <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh frank party was born in canada but he grew up in seattle uh, his dad mm. was an uh, assemblies of god minister 
And he eventually followed in his father's footsteps, but first he ended up becoming part of a Christian bluegrass group called Northern Cross. Whoa. You can still find it on YouTube. I watched yes, it you for can. Northern Cross performance. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Yeah, where he like reunited with them. He plays the banjo. Yeah. Learned how to play the banjo are, after uh, graduating high school. Are, are they good? Yeah, they're fine. For what they are, I don't know how much you love a, a Gaither family homecoming. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm saying, <laughs> I love it, but yeah. talk to a real Gaither head over here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's less funeral for dirge of yeah. like the because Gaither home homecomings are kind of like the Cracker Barrel afterlife or something. Everyone has heart attacks at the Cracker Barrel or because they are like upset at the games out in the little game spot or something and they're very upset about it. And then that's where you go if you die in the Cracker Barrel mm-hmm. just do an eternal Gaither homecoming. The problem with them is they don't have a Mark Lowry to like balance them out. <laughs> oh, sure. Like Frank mm-hmm. Peretti is their Mark Lowry. That's no good. And that's a problem. That's a real problem. <laughs> yeah. well, this is funny because we'll, well, I'm sure we'll get into it, but Frank Pretty, a bit of a cut up. Yes. Oh yeah, mm, yeah. Cut so, up. Yeah, he he loves kids. He loves making like kids entertainment. He has a whole series of like videos where he's like an eccentric professor who teaches kids Bible shit. And um, he he went from this Northern Cross band into starting sort of a, a music worship ministry thing for a little bit. Then he went to UCLA where he studied. English and film and didn't graduate, or it sounds like he didn't graduate at least. And after UCLA, he went back home and tried to work with his dad at their church as like an assistant minister and, you know, get more involved in the ministry himself. Something happens in 1983 and he gets out of the ministry. Right. And you can Mm. see that in the forward to this present darkness. He calls himself like a burned out former pastor now working at a ski factory. And that's what he was doing. He was taking odd jobs, doing construction work, working at a ski factory. And, and he's never really spoken to what specifically that thing is based no, on what you can find. I, Demonic I, false accusations. Yeah, sure. that's the thing is I think if you Ooh. read multiple books of his, you'll start to yeah. see a recurring theme in what happens to specific pastors, mm-hmm. some of whom are narrated in the first person. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's 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 just wild to me that L.A. was such a hub for like all these like evangelical. Yeah, it still yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Southern California is really, really conservative, like in like that kind of very white panic. Hi, I grew up in San Diego, Scott. You don't got to tell me. You didn't have to grow up with all this same stuff. Like you, you were, you were, you were in the the different kind of Christianity. I was in the Catholic kind of Christianity. Oh, you were in the false Christianity. Yeah, Yeah. false false, false God. You were a false for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, something happened there in 1983, and while he was doing all this odd job work, he really wanted to be a writer. He had studied writing and everything, and he was writing stuff out on like scratch paper, like used up typewriter paper. He'd flip it around and type something new on it for a book. He got a children's book published and then he got this manuscript that he was shopping around to 14 different publishers. And then finally someone bit Crossway Publishing. Hmm. And this is what ended up becoming Hmm. uh, (laughs) this present darkness. So Crossway Books is an offshoot of something called Good News Publishers. To me, it's more like Bad News Publishers. <laughs> That's right, Thanks. Josh. That's right. These <laughs> names are so incredibly on the nose that, like, literally, this sounds like Peretti's writing or yeah. something. Yes. It's like, 
he worked at a ministry called Crossway, and she worked at an evil feminist uh, <laughs> place called Feminazi Groceries. Vegans <laughs> or something, yeah. Now, now I understand why no editor was like, hey, this sounds a little too on the nose. It's because yeah, it, it was too subtle. News publishing. Yeah. I don't think any editor touched that. He reviewed yeah. them, no. I'm sure. I like, think it was just Frank and his wife. There was nothing left out of this book, I don't no. think. Yeah, yeah. No. It's like a Robert Galbraith book, except not as bad. But yeah. um, they both got their start writing on napkins yeah good <laughs> news also got it start writing on napkins in 1938 they started out publishing tracts so little uh you know aj if you ever walked into a protestant church there are these little pieces no, of I would paper burst into flames yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like hey leave the pope and join the real christians uh that's what they published and they got really big during world war ii i don't know if they got big defense contracts or what but they put out millions of these things hmm. to the point where crossway publishing now still distributes about 23 million tracts a year wow wow in 1979 they started the the book side of their publication enterprise and that was very common christian fiction publishing didn't really kick off until the mid late 70s even christian non-fiction publishing outside of like academic circles didn't really kick off until the 70s Crossway also put out the ESV Bible because everyone's got to have their own translation. That's how you make money. Wait, what, what does that one stand for? English Standard. English Standard oh, Version. It's okay. supposed to be got the it. most literal translation. How did I yes. know that? Uh, <laughs> I yeah. feel like I was possessed by a higher spirit. Uh, say yes to the Lord. He's knocking. The, yeah. uh, but no, the, um, He's waving through my window. I, I, had, I had forgotten about, because I remember like back in like church and in the schools I went to, there was this sort of hierarchy of what was like the good translations. Yeah. There's yeah. like KJV and NIV. Obviously, there was New American. American standard that one I remember there was some controversy over and I do not remember why it might have been less literal or something, something. like that yeah and then yeah. we had like good news for modern man and the living bible which oh, were yeah. less literal the living bible yeah <laughs> also and from the 70s I did I, I remember I had good news for modern man because that was the one yeah. that was like slightly more casual wasn't it yeah yeah. It, yeah it used a lot of like contractions like don't and can't yeah. and oh wouldn't. see see in, in West Michigan uh we are exclusive NIV people we're real yeah, real okay. nave heads Wow. Uh, and that's that, of course, is because of uh, Zondervan that it's published by Zondervan, <laughs> which is right there in Grand oh, Okay, Rabbids. right, right. I want to I yeah. want to get back to the living Bible. Is this a thing yeah. where you open it and it just started screaming at yeah, you? It's a Necronomicon like, edition. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's bound in human flesh and it has the voice. Yeah. <laughs> I see you're reading numbers again. I mean, the thing is, if you asked Frank Peretti, he would say that unironically. And yeah. um, uh-huh. so uh, Crossway also published like Francis Schaefer, the oh, boy yeah. himself, John Piper, Max Lucado, <laughs> Joni Erickson Tata, you oh, know, that, that shit, you know. We're just, so. this, is a, this is a fucking murderer's row. <laughs> they just keep coming, I'm people. saying. It's just like Francis Schaefer and John fucking Piper back yeah. to back. That is a cursed <laughs> bunch of syllables. <laughs> Right there. I, I just love it. too that like AJ just has to sit there and be like, yeah, he has, uh-huh. he has no yeah. idea what's coming. Squish, Schiffer, Piper, Lipschitz. You have to have hit Francis Schaefer on this podcast. Oh, we're, before, we're right? uh, we've talked about him a little bit, but w- there will be one day where we really Holy dig shit. into it. Yeah. We might yeah. grab you for, for that me. again. Please <laughs> watch uh, if, if we do one of his miniseries. If we do yeah, like his um, films. Escape from Reason and shit. Uh, oh my god, it's so. It's, I mean, it's terrible, but just yeah. Francis Schaefer is such a weird character. He looks, just Google, everyone Google a picture of Francis Schaefer. Don't read anything else about him. Just Google yeah. a picture of this I'm man. doing it right now. Because it sounds like if you just describe it, you're like, oh, they, they lived on this sort of intentional community in Switzerland. Yeah. He kind of dressed like kind of weird. And you're like, oh, okay, well, he must have had some interesting theology. No. no. <laughs> 
He also doesn't have a full goatee. He just has a chin bush and yeah. then nothing around it. I don't it's like that word. Chin, chin bush? bush? Yeah. Well, we'll get to no. Hank Bush in a little bit. That's true. Yeah. So, finishing this up, tying this off, uh, Crossway Publishing took a risk on Frank Peretti's work because at this point... Christian fiction publishing, which was only about 10 years old, was just like romance books or like, you know, uh, Hallmark Hall of Fame kind of stuff. Jack Chick aside, because Jack Chick was in the game at this point. And Chick, mm-hmm. was, and Chick was doing his tracts, of course, yeah. and he's a purely independent Pentecostal, just like Frank Peretti is a Pentecostal. Yeah. So to do something that's kind mm. of a horror story, although I was surprised at how not a horror story this was. Um, (laughs) Something that has demons, something that has ugliness, something that has many references to cussing in it. Yeah, they don't cuss, but they sure mention that cussing happened. (laughs) Yeah, so great. Like, he's such a crumb. And I'm like, a fucking crumb? (laughs) In a pig's eye, he is. Oh, in a pig's eye. (laughs) This story feels like he started writing it in the 70s in a lot of ways like this feels a lot like sort of the film distribution system of like the thief in the night movies mm-hmm. yeah. but applied to books for mm. the first time and it mm. has a lot i mean it, even in his foreword to the book he talks about stuff like how concerned he was that star wars had come out and made everything really new agey yeah uh, oh so, sure the force all that yeah yeah so he he saw this as like the drug tripping of the 60s leading to the uh the 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 yoga movements of the 1970s into the Satan worship of the 80s that was definitely going on. Yes. Um, So this published in 86, same year as the Challenger disaster. The two are not related, but... that's You say that, but uh, those O-rings were made by the FLDS in southern Utah. (laughs) I'm not even joking. Oh, Oh, Jesus. Okay. (laughs) It barely sold. It it sold about 4,200 in a year, which I guess is not, like, horrible. I mean, for by modern standards, that's very, very good. But but that's not, like, money you can live off of, for sure. Yeah, also at the time, like, I don't know how much of a market there was. Like, I feel like this present darkness really helped create that market absolutely yeah. it, it was not the first thing to do and talk about the things that it does but it was the big one yeah. it was the before yeah. and after moment well, it, it, because also parallel to literature also music was coming up contemporary christian yeah. music and so you have these sure. parallel ecosystems of content so that you can yep. buy that rather than the secular stuff all available in parallel outlets as well so that you can go to a family Christian stores yep. rather than a Borders or something and like that. S- and mm. this is where the key really is because Amy Grant, who was one of the late additions to the Jesus music scene when she was 16 years old, is now a pretty big star with some crossover success in the 80s. And so mm. a, a year or two-ish after uh, This Present Darkness is published, she reads it, some friend gives it to her, and she's going through a lot of shit at that point in time, and... I guess it resonated with her because on her concert tour, she would talk about reading the book on stage to the crowds of fans coming and seeing it. Holy and so shit. all of a sudden, Jesus. this book exploded. And for a while, Frank Pretty had no idea why. Because he'd just occasionally call every couple of weeks and be like, how many sold? And they'd be like, 12. And then it'd be <laughs> like, oh, so this week it was 2,000 for some reason? Well, Amy Grant, for those of you who are not totally in the know on contemporary Christian music, <laughs> if you remember her for anything, it's probably for her single Baby Baby. Yeah. Um, yes. And... If you're within the Christian sphere, you might remember her for other songs such as El Shaddai. Parallel to that was Michael W. Smith around the same time in the late 80s had on his Eye to Eye record uh, that my family listened to. There's an instrumental track called Ashton, which is supposedly it's his soundtrack for this book 
essentially. Yeah. 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 It's like an instrumental suite based on this novel, and you can find a whole lot of interpretive danced skits from oh, yeah. various churches and youth groups and uh, Christian high schools Many all of which over the are country. assemblies of God. They're so good. <laughs> well, yeah. they're as soon as you so said good. AOG at the beginning of this, I was like, oh, Jesus. Anyway. It's, it's, just, it's just wild to me that anyone could read this book and be like, I am inspired to make art. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I feel like I read this book and it drains the life from me. Like, there was some sort of Frank Peretti-shaped demon crouched on my head, just slowly sucking <laughs> the life out of me. His talons in your yeah. in your brown. If they mentioned, if he's mentioned, they have talons and yellow eyes, but they have yeah. yellow eyes. There's, yeah. He says yellow eyes like about nine thousand times. In oh no, book. I didn't clock yeah. that. But yeah, <laughs> the. Um, no, I was that kid though. I read it when I was like eleven, and I was totally, completely like mad into this and stuff so like i was totally drawing that kind of stuff we can get to that in a, in a bit but it yeah. definitely it, fil- it filled a niche christian culture of that time it was not necessarily about quality it was about the have you did you fill the niche while doing the shout outs to the right thing right essentially. you can mm. now you have your own stephen king book but it's got jesus in it yeah, yeah. and it sucks ass <laughs> <laughs> so by september of 1989 there's this la times article that talks about amy grant and all this stuff by september of 1989 Piercing the Darkness has now been out for a month. This present darkness has sold over 700,000 copies, and Piercing the Darkness in the span of just that one month has sold almost an equal number of copies. Wow. So Frank Preddy's doing just fine. The town in Piercing the Darkness is called Bacon's Corner. Yeah. (laughs) Do you like that, AJ? That seems like you're smiling a little bit. It's a town full of Redditors. Um, So... <laughs> the, the prince of this epic place. <laughs> yeah. So I upvote you, Tal. <laughs> so this this went from languishing on like the back shelves of Christian booksellers to the front shelves of like Walden Books and B. Dalton's all over the country. It had a uh, an absolutely great cover. Still, that yeah. cover's great. Yeah, it's still so good. Super, super good. Yeah, um, that was why I wanted to read it as a kid because I was like, "What is this? This yeah, looks it's about rad. a big bird." Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Is it the wing one or is it the one with the with the talons coming? It's the down? talons coming. The talons coming. Yeah, the talons. It's like it's just like a silhouette of like a like a I think like a church on like a hill or something. It's just fairly like silhouetted, and then there's kind of it's like very watercolor, but then these yeah, sort the of silhouetted beautiful. This sort of silhouetted talons coming down to to grasp the church, and it fucking it's the best part of this whole thing yeah, is the yeah. cover of that book. It yeah. really fucks. Yeah, um, it's great. So Jan or Jan Dennis of the publisher was quoted in the LA Times in that article, and he said there are thirty five or forty million people in this country who are really upset with the way things are, oh, and boy. for once their side is not beaten down. Oh, mm. praise the Lord! They win. Wow. But to say that in uh, 1989, in Reagan's America? <laughs> yeah, not even Reagan's. Oh, it's H. Bush w. Bush's America. Right. Yeah. So this marks a huge shift for Christian fiction. We get more genres. We get more horror. We get people like Ted Decker coming in, or, or, or the book Shadow Mancer much later on. Um, we get the Left Behind series, which is like yeah. an uh, international espionage thriller, which. This present darkness also is, and it's a direct. Um, the guy who uh, Lahey, I think, what was like, yeah, this present darkness was the thing that kicked open the door yes. for us. Like, mm, like yes. left behind right. guys, like specifically, are like, this is one hundred percent the doing of Frank Freddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that's great about this present darkness is that it has two great male leads, mm. both of whom never jack off or cheat. <laughs> nope. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, despite despite their the accusations, they are <laughs> many accusations. They're both fucking. They are uh, strong and upright in the Lord. Yeah. Are you telling me that Marshall is not jacking it in that office every chance he gets? He loves that newspaper so fucking hard. Come there on. are there are there are moments in this where Frank's need to you know toe the line on uh, not need to Frank's desire to toe the line on uh, on you know sort of the 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 moral upright and brightness of these characters really fights mm-hmm. because Marshall and Brenda really should have ended up together. Uh, Bernice. Like, Bernice, sorry, yeah, yeah. Brenda, we're, Bernice, whatever. We're gonna make a soup out of all of these names. names. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You yes. call her Bernie like twice at the beginning, it's and great. then don't call her but Bernie isn't, again. Isn't there another yeah. Bernie though? Like, isn't there like one well, of like, yeah, the tertiary yeah, Sanders, the longtime yeah, Sanders, 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 Sanders? Yeah, he's, he's, he's yeah, the he's, main he's, villain. Yeah, he's the one who's, <laughs> who's coming to town. They're like he's rootless and cosmopolitan. He's just wandering around into our communities. Which, by the way, I think Happy Birthday, Bernie. I believe that today is his birthday. It's also the death of the Queen. So that's yeah. happy death yeah. day to the queen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're recording this on the day that uh, Queen Elizabeth uh, ate shit and died. Yeah, that's a, so that's another go. win. She was trying to do an ollie, uh, a sick yep. trick on her skateboard, <laughs> and yeah. she biffed it so hard she exploded. That's the, another win for our prayer warriors against the demonic forces of Anglicanism. That's right. <laughs> the, so I made that I made the you know the joke about like uh, Sanders showing up here in sort of like a you know in a kind of stereotypical like anti-Semitic way that yeah. you, would, you would imagine for. Here, but mm-hmm. I bring that up because I actually this book was less anti-Semitic specifically than I expected it to be. Yeah, for so many other racism. Yeah, yeah. You know? well, that's the thing. Like, it's it's much more because of what it's it's going after. It is much more of like a oh no, this is like the Far East. Uh, yeah, there's a lot yes. more of like Hindu stuff than yeah, I was expecting. Because of the New Age aspect yeah. of it, but yeah, like they, uh, I was shocked that like there wasn't like, and then like you know. Steve Rosenberg showed up or <laughs> right. something like that. It just right. didn't happen. I was actually really shocked. I was like, good good on you, Peretti. You you, you weren't super anti-Semitic. That's the one thing you didn't do in this book. Yeah. Is that in Piercing the Darkness? Is that, does he like follow up? He's like, oops, I well, forgot. The, and then put it all in one book. I feel like, because <laughs> Piercing the Darkness has more to do with like the ACLU and stuff like that. So I think there's yeah. far more it, it's about, anti-Semitic stuff. Yeah, it's about political correctness and uh, ACLU and government control coming after Christian schools, basically. Right. It's oh, that hell yeah. Thing. Whose it's, children are they? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what They're I'm Franks. saying. <laughs> We're all Frank's children. This present darkness begins on a summer's eve in ashton uh ashton what it never says i think it's yeah. supposed to be like new hampshire or something it's, but it's got it's within yeah. the air because they're not far from new york right yeah. yeah um but yeah we start with this summer festival uh and it's the annual festival wow mm-hmm. yeah it's the Ooh. carnival yeah. when all of the roma and the the strange like <laughs> rootless criminals come in that's what i this, yeah it, it is a festival of every sin imaginable like <laughs> yes frank starts this off like uh i think this is the beginning of frank's problem with making lists in this book yes. where he's oh, just yeah. like he literally so he used the word prostitutes like fifty thousand times in this right. book yes and at the beginning he's just like like, oh yeah, it's like the carnival, and like there was like you know everyone was like eating hot dogs, and there were nine thousand prostitutes and stuff, and then like every yeah. kind of sin you can imagine was happening in the street, and also there was a dunk booth, and it's like I, it's, I have a quote here from this opening section, which I yes, think uh, gets right at that list thing you're talking about, Scott. It was a wild time, a chance to get drunk, pregnant, beat up, ripped off, and sick all in the same night. (laughs) That sounds pretty great. Um, It's not like any carnival I have ever been to. This is a small town where everyone in the book 
yeah. is always <laughs> lamenting how about how till like yesterday or last year it was the most wholesome Mayberry ass. It's fucking it's the town from Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Yes. Except for Every now and again, once a year, they have a fucking purge or something. <laughs> yeah. This is, like this, is college, this is a college town of 14,000 people, and yeah. apparently 200 of them are hookers. Yeah. Um, Literally. Like, yes. I'm not, like, it's like later on. Like streetwalkers. Like, Listen, yeah. it's a very yeah. progressive town. They yeah. license their sex workers. They're very, they're very mm-hmm. sex worker for me. Like, literally at one point, like, like Peretti says, like, like oh yeah, they like uh, she was in uh, the pen with uh, all the prostitutes that had been trucked in for the carnival, and I'm like, what is this carnival? Like, where people are like, you know what? Here's the thing: we've got some sex workers in this tiny town. We need more. Send no, out they, the call. Yeah. One thing that's going on is that there's a woman, Bernice, the uh, mm. roving photographer for the newspaper. Yeah. yeah. She's taking pictures. Yeah. She she takes some pictures of some guys at the. The subliminal suggestion of a couple of angels, a couple of really hot dudes. Yeah, there's yeah. Hot, There's these guys walking around, and they're not just men, folks. They're they're, they're angels. They're beefcakes. They are yeah. tall men in work clothes. Yeah, that's how that's how you know that they're trustworthy. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. And they're like literally like seven foot tall and like just massively built, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're they're Kelvin gemstones like entourage. <laughs> yes. Yeah. One of them is actually named Tall as well. Just tall. to be very clear here. Uh, T-A-L. That's T-A-L what he is. Because he's tall. Yeah. So we've got that on the one side. We've got <laughs> I angels. I can't believe I didn't put that together. <laughs> That's so oh, fucking oh. stupid. <laughs> Here's another indication that I had that, that Frank Peretti started writing this in the 70s mm. because he mentions two gas stations at war. And the mm. gas station wars were not still going on oh, in 1986. Sure, sure. This is the worst opening to an episode of Supernatural ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's I love so... it because it resolves at the end. Yeah. It's like, and then some prayer happened and we were all good. And this book always does that. Basically, the rules of this world are that the people are just there. They're ex- mm-hmm. existing in the corporeal world. And then there's this second plane that the people can't see. And on that plane... There are angels who are encouraging the people to do good things. And there are demons who are encouraging the people to do bad things. And sometimes the angels get in fights with the demons, as in this example. The wings hummed in a blur as it banked sharply in a flying turn and headed for the door again. Red vapors chugging in dashes and streaks from its nostrils. Its talons bared and poised for attack, a ghostly siren of a scream rising in its throat. Like an arrow through a target, like a bullet through a board, it streaked through the door and instantly felt its insides tearing loose. Oh, shit. Oh, there was an explosion. Garth, some Garth Marenghi shit. I should read it in that voice. There was an explosion of suffocating vapor, one final scream, and the flailing of withering arms and legs. Then there was nothing at all except the ebbing stench of sulfur and the two strangers suddenly inside the church. I'll do this as Matt Berry coming up. Go ahead. <laughs> the big blonde man repl- uh, replaced a shining sword as the white light that surrounded him faded away. A spirit of harassment? He asked. Or doubt. Or fear. Who knows? This is about on the level. Actually, I think this is, this is better than Frank's narration of this. Although Frank skips this entire scene. At the How? Smart oh, choice. Like he, yeah, 
he yada 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 is up until like the third or fourth chapter. Um, basically. Wow. But yeah, because he knows the, he doesn't yeah. have a strong opening. What you want right. to do with the strong opening is just let the danger of the demon be there, mm-hmm. and that's it. Absolutely, like that. The carnival is one of the worst openings to anything that's supposed to be suspenseful I have ever seen in my because it's like a two angels walked up and then nothing happened really. Yeah. And like there's no menace. Well, because you're supposed to read the menace from the fact of like everyone's getting the most fucked up anyone has ever gotten. <laughs> People are drinking town. beer. People are drinking beer. They're, they're and- drinking two beers. <laughs> wow. They're getting pregnant. They're they're having multiple abortions per night. Uh, <laughs> right. but in but in a gay way. Uh, and shit. Like that's like just his description of this horrible Bacchanal. So I think you're supposed to go. Oh no! The the moral depravity of this yeah, place. Yeah. Uh, it, that's that's what hooks me. Like I, now, I need to see like what happens or well, something. Well, because yeah. also, I mean, you've got to think about this from the eyes of the intended audience. Right. Uh, these are people who would be scandalized by the suggestion of this impropriety. I mean, um, yeah, but, the fact that Frank Preddy even says the word hooker much right. less multiple times is mm-hmm. is itself very scandalous. Yeah, he didn't just write like H dash dash K E R. So after the carnival, uh, we meet basically our two main leads. These, again, are our two wonderful, morally yes. upright men. Uh, we've got Hank Bush. Uh, who is the the good minister, right? He's, yeah, he's the good young Pentecostal pastor at mm-hmm. a small church who might be getting run out who's, by his congregation. Who's 26 huh, years for old. For no reason. Mm. For no uh, reason. He, and he simply is a dick uh, about, you know, stuff because that's what the Lord says until the Lord mm-hmm. changes his mind. This is yeah. where Hank is. He's oh, changing yeah. his. And I've got a quote from that that we're going to read later on. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> and then, so, that, so Hank is really going to be the protagonist who is dealing on the spiritual side of this. Battle. Yeah. He's the prayer then, warrior. Exactly. Yeah. And then we've got Marshall Hogan. Uh, he is the small town newspaper editor with big city experience. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he was on the New he, York times. Yes. <laughs> and he talks great lady. in 1920s slang the he whole sure time. Does. Marshall has considerably more to do than Hank. Oh, oh yes. yes. Considerably more of the plot is, is Marshall <laughs> focused uh, as evidence again by the abridged part. Hank mm. disappears from the narrative of the abridged version until like the last hour of a three <laughs> sure. hour thing. He doesn't show up until right before the big sort of climax gets going. He's just gone. It's it's yeah. also worth noting that we have angels and demons as main characters as well. Yeah. And they have even less to do. They have no personality. <laughs> um, and there's like 90,000 of them. And they yeah. do almost nothing. Yeah. It's amazing. They stand there glaring. It's a fucking Dragon Ball Z thing. The whole thing. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, we're going to fight. Oh, my God. Last time we fought, it was a big deal. Oh, I haven't seen this power level since blah, blah. Like, literally, <laughs> the angels and demons are sitting there doing that at each other. They are much but, like the Dragon Balls insofar yeah. as they are inert. And also, you can't really figure out the physics of what counts as a as harm in their fights mm-hmm. or yeah. something where I'm like, what does dying mean to you people? Like what is, what is like <laughs> the rule set of this world? Yeah. It's a lot of the same problems that the, the rule set of this sort of outlook, this sort of theology does, which is the yeah. interplay between agencies of like, well, there's angels, demons, God, Satan, and then there's people. And then prayer is this sort of 
general energy force kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We'll cover it to that, but yeah. Yeah. It strengthens the angel's power. I it's thought, a stat yeah. boost, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was really weird that scene where Tal was just being force-fed a lot of things, and he kept mm. saying, yeah. oh, no, I can't eat another bite. <laughs> but then they were like, no, you can eat another bite. Yeah, and he, he gets ate so another bite. full. He gets yeah, so he just full gets and round. So full. Mm-hmm. Like, perfectly, just like Goku. Just like Goku does. Yes, oh, just like oh, Goku Oh, don't does. pray for me anymore. <laughs> I'll be too full of spirit. I'll oh. be too, too full of spirit This of the whole Lord. thing really is just like two spirit bombs at the same time. It's the yeah. demons have a spirit mm-hmm. bomb and the angels yes. have a spirit bomb. The and we're just were waiting. all just talking, by the way, I am like wondering, I'm like, if there had been like awful fandom shipping wars in this <laughs> book. Like, there like, are a lot, lot of like, thirsty fan arts is what I'm yeah, saying like, uh, off of this Google. Getting canceled for shipping Tall and uh, Rafar. <laughs> Rafar yeah. Yeah. That was a big problem on Usenet, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it's over in uh, alt.fiction.com ready um <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I, have, I have a logistical question why frank e peretti and not frank peretti why did, did um the, the, the because e it was got added on later on because there is another famous frank peretti who is notable because of the satanic panic because he mm. is the medical examiner uh in the state of arkansas who handled the West Memphis Three case. Holy shit! Huh. Yeah. Whoa. Same name. Oh my god. Yeah, I that's can't. why Frank started adding the uh, E to his I, name. I have read about uh, West Memphis Three and like watched a bunch of stuff on it. I somehow never, ever, I do not remember learning that at all. That's an insane. Yeah. That's uh, wild. Yeah. There's, a, yeah, there's just another yeah. Frank Peretti out there who's also got some of the same bugs in his brain. Yeah. <laughs> One last thing that I wanted to note about the way that Frank Peretti writes his uh, good guys and bad guys. Mm-hmm. The good guys are always referred to by their first name, and the bad guys are always referred to by their last name. <laughs> always. Oh, yeah. always. With the one exception of that weed guy. Yeah, but he's like a good guy, but kind of kind of fucked up. He's a fucked up guy who ends up becoming yeah. an ally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, Bernice, as we were saying, you know, she has to get bailed out of jail because she got yep. busted in a, in, a, in a prostitution sting because they thought she was also a prostitute. And her big thing is like, guys, I got this photo. This photo shows that some crazy shit was going on. Some conspiracy stuff happened. Yeah, four people standing We're standing around. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And they weren't getting pregnant. That's what you go to the carnival for. And this photo ends up becoming a a plot point because then it's like the film goes missing or some shit. Yeah, and and then the the film, it turns out, was like pulled out of the canister, so it's all completely exposed and there's no picture The bottom line that we take away from this is that there is some sort of a conspiracy going on between yeah. a lot of the different people who are main, who, who hold power within the town, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's going to be important later on. I should yeah. point out, though, nothing suspicious was happening with these people. These people were no. at a no, town were standing carnival, there. No. standing there talking to each other. Yes. In a park, I believe, no, or something. Yeah, this photo really isn't important. Uh, there's right. just like a couple characters who were from out of town that yeah. are in the picture. And so literally the story is people from in town talk to people from out of town. That's <laughs> yes. it. Yep. But that's uh, the story. Nothing that needs to be abridged about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Hank, the pastor, uh, his house gets graffiti. And it's like, yeah. oh, no, this might all be connected a with, a, with a swear word. And I'm not sure what word it's hard supposed to, say to be. Because it's yeah. blank. And it's like, it's, it's, you're it's, dead meat, comma, blank. Underscore, 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 underscore. Yeah. yeah. Would that be bitch? Would that be uh, fucker? Cunt. I think it has to be. I think it, it has just, to be. It's like place in the UK. So they just use yeah. that all over the place. I was waiting for the revelation that he had graffitied his own house. 
Mm. Because mm. it's it's nice to see that the tactic has not changed. Well, it's like, you know. yeah. So the graffiti happened during the carnival, I guess. I sure. Why not? Yeah. What's important here is that the police <laughs> chief is showing That's up and you also are. giving Hank the runaround. Yeah. Uh, which, again, lets us know he might be connected. The police um, chief is a man named Alf Brummel. Yeah. yeah Alf. That's, that's a normal name. <laughs> Descendant of guy. Bo Brummel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's, they still use Brummel to refer to him, though, instead of Alf. You'd think they yeah. call him Alf all the time because how many Alfs do you know? Yeah. You know? Right. Well, again, if he was Alf, then you would know that he was a good guy. They have to call him by his last name because yeah. he's Every, a bad guy. Every scene that he's in, I just imagined him eating a cat, and it yeah. made it so much more entertaining. <laughs> that would be kind of because this was like in the mid '80s, so like I forget if Alf was around in '86, but it would be really funny if it was like pretty like, well, I didn't want people to be confused, so I couldn't call him, you know, because there's already an Alf in people's sure. minds. Yeah, it's copyright. Um, Got that copyright. So here's a quote from Hank, the pastor. You see the problem? He said, "Finally, too many people don't know or don't want to know." what the truth is anymore. We don't stand for something, so we fall for anything. Mm. And now guys like Lou get themselves into a fog where they can hurt their own families, hurt their own (laughs) gossip, Mm -hmm. ruin their own reputations, make themselves miserable in their sin, Mm. and then look for someone else to blame. Just who's doing what to whom? Mm. Oh, that go. is the question Thank of you, our time. I can practically hear the acoustic guitar playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just like in the background, someone's just like. <laughs> <laughs> is that the Civ Five theme you were singing? No, Lord, no. I lift your name on high. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. I, I reached into the dark and just pulled out the first like worship chorus I could think of. That's actually playing at the college during one of her lectures, as we will soon find out. Yeah, exactly. Because from Hank, we see in him the upright, true to the Bible, true to the Lord. We go to the exact opposite of that now. This is at Whitmore College. Mm, Whitmore College. He fought Marshall uh, Hogan, again, the newspaper man. His daughter is attending this college and she is being indoctrinated. She's being indoctrinated into the secular humanist ways. And why do we know that? We know that because we meet her in the psychology department of this college. <gasps> the fucking den of, and this is another way that you can tell this is the 80s because yeah. they were really yeah. worried about the psych, about psychology and like psychotherapy and analysis and that sort of thing. That was such a hot button issue. Like if this had been written now, they w- it would not be in the psychology department. I don't know no, what it, it would be in the gender studies department. Yeah, it would be oh, something absolutely. like that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Marshall actually goes into the college and like finds the classroom where his daughter is taking <laughs> yeah. a class and just like tries to go in to the classroom and gets kicked the fuck out. But evilly. Evilly, very yeah. evilly. Here we are now in the college as Marshall is advancing toward the classroom. AJ, do you want to take this one? Sure. Finally, he began to make out the words of the lecture as he drew near room 101. So if we settle for a simple ontological formula, I think, therefore I am, that should be the end of the question. But being does not presuppose meaning. Yeah, here was more of that college stuff. That funny conglomeration of $64 words which impress people with your academic prowess. New York Times reporter. But can't get you a paying job. Marshall smirked to himself a little bit. 
psychology. If those shrinks could just agree for a change, it would help. First, Sandy blamed her snotty attitude on a violent birth experience. And then what was it? Poor potty training? Her new thing was self-knowledge, self-esteem, identity. <laughs> she already knew how to be hung up on herself. Now they were teaching it to her in college. Yeah. 19 year olds discovering themselves? Fuck out of here. Uh, I don't have any how, identity. I love how Marshall's clout, yeah, is based on the fact that he's like, I'm for the big city, the New York Times. But anyway, $10 <laughs> words like existence <laughs> or something, or like, I think therefore I am. Who, who's ever heard of that shit ever? I'm a big city newspaper guy. I don't even fucking know what I think therefore I am is. It's, it's also the use of $64 words here, I think is very important because Frank Peretti writes like a seventh grader. And mm -hmm. by that, I mean, he looks at a phrase, oh, a $10 word. But he's like, what's more than a $10 word? <gasps> yeah. 64 is a lot more. The $64,000 pyramid. Uh, yes. I, I think that's what literally probably what is. It probably God. is. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do want to include just this little part here, which is his first description of a woman mm, in the book. Yes, yes. And it just goes, whoosh. Oh, yeah. For some reason, Marshall had expected an older woman. Skinny, her hair in a bun, wearing horn-rimmed glasses with a little beady chain looped around her neck. But this one was a startling surprise. Something right out of a lipstick or fashion commercial. <laughs> the hottest thing that Frank can think of. Yes. Long, long blonde hair, mm. trim figure, mm. deep, dark eyes that twitched a bit, but certainly needed no glasses, mm. horn-rimmed or otherwise. What? Every what? Mortal... Glasses keep your eyes from twitching. Everyone knows that. Uh, true. Uh, uh, Every yeah. human being in this book is described like uh, they're in the Sears catalog. Yes. That's yeah. just everyone here is a Sears catalog model. Mm -hmm. There are so many slender men in this book. <laughs> I'm surprised they weren't in a production of Ivanov that Brian once saw. Oh, it boy. It is deep cut. Uh, but he describes a lot of the women um, the way you would like, like creepy people on like actors access, like look for women. So yeah. it's like slender, dignified redhead or like, yeah. I'd imagine he would like look for an actress by saying corpse and then in parentheses he's sexy you know what yeah. i mean like, <laughs> he's he's got that but if he's describing like one of the protagonists like women it's like she had like she she was a real doll but she had grit too <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah they're all they're all yeah. like featureless it's yeah. like her eyes are dark and her hair is blonde yeah yep. or they're or they're like they're like she was attractive and then blah blah blah, blah. and it's like yep. uh yeah you just have to infer that frank finds these women incredibly hot but can't say it well that would be unfaithful to his wife that's of true yeah and the only reason this this woman gets described in such detail is because she's evil yeah and, and, uh, and we we soon learn just how evil she is you know yeah. uh once once she sees marshall he has a panic attack which is just the result of an, an anxiety demon like digging its talons into his shoulders or whatever. Well, that's yeah. what causes my panic attack. Yeah, yeah it's, a demon. it's a demon, I'm AJ. Just, I'm Welcome so glad to I finally know. Welcome to growing up with this, by the way. Everything you just said. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is the way that the demons are framed up throughout this book. That, like, the demons aren't just... There's a couple of the demons who are just guys, but generally yeah. speaking, they are specific thought patterns or characteristics. And yeah. I want to read... An example of this, we meet this demon named Complacency. Oh. <laughs> Here we're going to meet uh, a few demons. Mm -hmm. A demon of lust, a slithery creature with darting and shifty eyes and slippery hide, overheard and joined in, 
snatching complacency with his long, sharp talons. And where have you been sleeping today? It asked with a sneer. I did not sleep! Complacency retorted. I caused people to sleep! To lust and steal innocence is far better. But someone must turn away the eyes of the others! Lust thought that over and gave a smirk of approval. He dropped complacency rudely as those who watched laughed. Complacency passed deception, but didn't bother to ask him anything. <sighs> deception was the proudest, haughtiest demon of them all. Mm -hmm. Very arrogant. There's that very again. Very mm -hmm. arrogant. Incredibly. <laughs> In his yes. supposedly superior knowledge of how to control men's minds, his appearance was not even as gruesome as the other demons. He almost looked human. His weapon, mm -hmm. he boasted, was always a compelling, persuasive argument with lies ever so subtly woven in. I want to point in at the end there, there's a lot of dotted lines under that. That's because on Kindle, it shows you passages yes. that were popular yeah, that a lot of other people highlighted. people have highlighted this. So that's nice. one of the popular Whoa. passages that everyone's Fantastic. like, I've learned a lot from this. God, how many like youth group sermons have like involved <laughs> this this? So yeah, these are the demons, right? Deception, lust, complacency, murder, lawlessness, jealousy. Stinking thinking. And of course, rape. All, all different demons doing different things. And I just wanted to take a second to ask, uh, Scott, you had mentioned, you know, growing up with this shit, thinking yeah. that things that feel bad are actually just metaphysical demons. Yeah. Um, talk to me about that. It's uh, it's the best and I recommend it to everyone. No, oh, okay, cool. um, it's a um, I had this like theory recently that like the, the kind of the next big kind of pop like time of TikTok spirituality thing is going to be something like this. It's or it's yeah. going to be just Christians in general. And it's going to be people being like, I was into tarot and astrology and doing OnlyFans, And then, <laughs> but I wanted to feel real love. And mm -hmm. that was when I found uh, Jesus or whatever. And then a, yeah. a, a chunk of them though, are going to make the shift straight into this kind of thing where it was like yeah. the, you know, when mm -hmm. I would look at TikTok, it's like these like five seconds, but five seconds is all it takes for a demon to enter your life. Right. Because uh, Frank's theology here is extraordinarily like the sort of theosophy that he's freaked out by. Like it's yes. very, it fits in really, really, really well, well with this. And I think like, it's like my parents weren't big on like actual, like there are demons everywhere, but they were into sort of satanic mm -hmm. panic stuff. Sure. We kind of like, we kind of towed the line, but the schools I went to and the churches I went to, they were very, there was a lot more demons running around in that thing kind of in specifically. Yeah. Uh, so sure, there was yeah. just a lot more demons uh, hanging around, but the, um, <laughs> and so there was definitely a time from maybe, I don't know, fourth through maybe eighth or ninth grade, maybe afterwards, actually, even when I was in high school, where there was this sort of the, like the suspicion that a lot of things, not everything, but a lot of things, there was no great rules rule to this. There's also not a great rule set to in, in this book, like what is and isn't caused by an angel or a demon. Oh, it seems yeah. Like, yeah. Right, especially since like angels and demons seem to walk around and do one at a time. Right, he in sets this world. them up so concretely, but then right. all of their like interventions in the real world couldn't be more vague. Yeah, they're incredibly, yeah. except for every now and again, they're so like, he's like holding a truck on the road or something. But, right. like, it's always a car thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, the, uh, but yeah, no, so like that was the thing. It was like, you know, especially if you had like any mental health issues, that was straight up a demon. Oh, that was God. like, and actually yeah. psychology or having any sort of like meds was, either straight up evil or is just quote, like not like, you know, trusting God's best. I had a teacher in high school who we called Waldo because he looked like where's Waldo. 
Mm-hmm. But he always talked about mm-hmm. how he used to be depressed as a teenager and all that he really needed was to go to church more and stop listening to heavy metal and the yeah. demons of depression finally left him alone. Oh, okay. I had the opposite experience with that, oddly enough. Even in like my much more reasoned, like I'm reading Francis Schaeffer and C.S. Lewis and like I'm, <laughs> I'm doing some mere Christianity shit at you and I know my apologetics and I'm very like sort of like neo-reformed, uh, you know, Christian guy. Even then there was still sort of like a, yeah, there's still like demons around and stuff. And in my adult life, um, uh, some friends, a guy was in a band with his uncle. He was the pastor of sort of a, a break off um, Christian Missionary Alliance church. It was like the, the guy was like to uh, the Christian Missionary Alliance church that was headed by his brother was insufficiently into deliverance ministry. And so oh, this guy oh. split off and formed a house church. Um, oh, of course. Like, a church yeah. where they listen to house music. Yeah, that, that yeah. was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, in the heart. And, and watch um, Deliverance. And that was like, I think, in my adult life, the most like pure version of this that I found. And they were going to, you know, they were kind of uh, bringing in like grifters who were like, yeah, I like totally raise the dead in Mexico all the time. Oh, I, yeah. yeah my, oh, my, my, favorite my resurrected guys. girlfriend lives in Canada. You haven't met her. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> So they were always like specifically doing things like I'm casting homosexuality or a spirit of rebellion or something like because that's that's a really important thing for these people, too, is that you name the actual demon. Right. Yeah. You power over them. The, exactly. the demon of sassiness, the demon of serving cunt. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> which is why the strong man showing up later in this, that is a ripped straight directly out of this kind of thing. Like mm. those people that I, that I, I knew they would talk about the strong man all the time. And so mm, it that comes from, you from me. whichever yeah. verse it is where it's Interesting. like, hey, 10 men can hold a strong man, but sure. whatever. I forgot to, I forgot to look it up before oh, this, but there's okay. some, Bible verse that they take to be about spiritual warfare and stuff. So it was a lot of just kind of like low rent exorcisms. Cause like it, and by low rent, I mean, it wasn't like your, your actual sort of like, okay, we need to do our rights and all this other stuff. Yeah. It was just like, Hey, no, you need like someone to pray for you. And so like, I've been around a few churches that were doing deliverance yeah. things. And so I've watched some, I watched some low key exorcisms happen uh, nice. and stuff. Yeah, it's great. And like, Oof. it's really cathartic <laughs> for the people involved. I mean, it's horrendous right. about everything is telling you about themselves and agency and what is good and evil and that kind of thing. It's awful in every mm-hmm. other way. However, I got to say, though, primo show. Pretty metal. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I had an imaginary friend who was uh, Tobias from Funke. Uh, from Funke yeah. from Rosa Bellman. He was my imaginary <laughs> friend. He just left blue handprints all over the wall. Um, yeah. No, uh, from the Animorphs series. Uh, because okay. Animorphs okay. takes place in San Diego, California. Uh-huh. And there's red-tailed hawks freaking everywhere. So, like, yeah. mine was sort of rationales. And I would talk to Tobias. And, you know, uh, I would hear the voice in my head talk to me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Not, like, mm-hmm. you know, in a schizophrenic way. But like, just in a way that, like, imaginary uh, friends yeah. are. Um, yeah. So, reading this and knowing about these demons that they say are, like, crouching on your shoulders or whatever i mean is Mm -hmm. did any of you like make imaginary friends with the supposed demons that were on your shoulder because i feel like that's that would be like my tactic to deal with like the horror Mm. of having this clawing thing Mm. on my head is like try and make it my friend no because talking to them is kind of like some power yeah that's your way into madness there and in fact a Mm. lot of like Dungeons and Dragons paranoia is because yep. it's the idea that it's tricking you into dealing with them. Like, what, like when right. we summon Shalman and, uh, on that Adventures in Odyssey yeah. episode. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Like just by just by tricking them, that's enough. Right. Yeah. 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 I see that because, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, they one of the main things that they were saying was that like the demon possession is 
from Dungeons and Dragons is making these kids commit suicide. And you see that here in this book where characters commit suicide as a demon. I thing. cannot wait to talk about yeah. that. Oh, but yeah, this I, is gonna get the the end of this conversation is just gonna be so awful. <laughs> it's gonna be so bad, and we're still we're still in the part where things are a little bit lighthearted and fun. And in that respect, I do want to say I want to read his description of what the demons look like. Please because do because it's does it involve talons or yellow eyes, AJ? Yeah. No, no, it's even better. I think it's one of my favorite things I've ever read. It's he was like a hamstrung little gargoyle, half humanoid, half animal, totally oh. demon. <laughs> yes, I had that written down in my notes <laughs> for that reason. It's so good. I had to take Garth a lap Marenghi around right my there. apartment after That's that. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> one, of the, one of the little interesting things about the demons when you kind of see them together is like, they refer to them to each other as fellow workers. Of the world, perhaps, who may yeah. or may not unite. Yeah, like they refer like the angels do not refer to each other as fellow workers right. or anything. Mm-hmm. They're they're clear on their military hierarchy. There whereas, is a very at one point two, there yeah. is a very brief like one of the protagonists ends up in the cell with a Marxist. Did you yes, catch that? Right? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. There was a, he was <sighs> like a he was a mugger who was a, a very vociferous Marxist. So or weird, oh, okay. like that. Well, um, but like uh, yeah, the demons I mean, what's themselves. The difference? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. The problem with socialism is that eventually you run out of other people's money. It's true. Yeah. yeah. The naming conventions of these demons is also preposterous to me because there's persuasion, mm-hmm. jealousy, complacency, and Lucius? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he got an actual name. Yeah, so some demons are named after the thing they do, and then other demons just have like normal names. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, like, I lost He's track of the names after a while, and so I'd be reading a, a segment of a chapter and thinking I was reading demons talking to each other, but it was actually angels talking to each yeah, other. Yeah, I mean, and I, back I, and forth because real demons were confusing my mind theologically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I read that. I read this book. It wasn't a single sitting, but it took me maybe four hours to read this book cover to cover because I really well, just kind of skimmed it. I don't know how you're able okay, to do that. Okay, yeah. Uh, I mean, I did skim I was reading for comprehension, but like, right. I, I it, it was, it's not a book that requires a great deal of well, mental Well, and you, you had read it before, right? You had read oh, it Oh, a you very, were, very long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was running off of my memories and then, which piecemealed my way through the book yes. over various yeah, versions yeah. because it's just, it's hard to get through this book and not because it's oh, like, God, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a slog. He uses... 10 he it's uses not five a paragraphs for one read. thing. Yeah. 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 It, well, a, cu- a couple more. Let's let's add a couple yeah. more pieces into that meal. <laughs> <laughs> Marshall begins to dig into what's going into the town, right? He starts doing his journalism shit. Yeah. Uh, we learn that the evil professor lady from earlier is fucking the chief police. So mm-hmm. that's a thing that's happening. Yeah. At the church, meanwhile, Hank is facing a vote of no confidence because yep. that, as we may remember from that bit that Scott read earlier, He's a very theologically sound guy, uh, up to yeah. and including being willing to excommunicate somebody from the church for being an adulterer. I yeah. don't care. Oh, my God. I don't care about any of this. This is somehow given the most weight out of anything yeah. in the book. Like, oh including the climax. Yeah, it's it's insane. Like, like, build, like, and again, he doesn't lose. He just wins. Well, Every not time, only, they just resolve the situation. He wins. By 
an old lady yes. showing up yeah. and casting a vote in his favor against the resolution. And the guy, the adulterer himself, shows yeah. up and casts a vote, even though he was excommunicated from the fucking church. See, this right. would never happen in a Baptist church because we have committees. <laughs> we set up committees. There is a select group of people who makes each decision. Where is the diaconate? Hey, 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 hey. We got a hierarchy, okay? Catholics yeah. got a fucking hierarchy. But the main, so. the main function of this really is just to introduce us to the other primary mechanic of this world, which is prayer. Yeah. Now, we had sort of mentioned this before. Yeah. Prayer provides cover. Uh, and prayer yeah. cover is basically a stat boost. <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure which stats specifically it boosts. It yes. does stack. I can tell you that. Yeah, it's actually true. Yes, it does. And <laughs> later in the book, they do it, talk about this essentially. And yeah. so yeah. we learn about this through this scene right here, oh, uh, where Edith, again, she's that old lady who was one yeah. of the tie-breaking votes, prays for something to happen. Lord God, she said. And the warmth of the Holy Spirit flowed through them. Mm -hmm. I build now a hedge around this young couple, and I bind the spirits in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Satan, whatever your plans for this town, I rebuke you in Jesus' name, and I bind you, and I cast you out. And then there's like a little dot to show that like <laughs> we're moving in space. Clunk! Yeah. Rafar's eyes darted toward the sound that had interrupted his talking and saw two swords fallen from their owner's hands. Whoa! So, like, again, you <laughs> yeah, pray, yeah. stuff happens to the demons. R Rafar is also Baal Rafar or yes. Lord Rafar. Yes. He fought in some great battle against the angels in Mesopotamia at some Babylon. point. In Babylon. Yeah. 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 Uh, would you say the town is in a state of Rafar madness? Yeah, I would. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is also a, a good place to bring up the notion of territorial spirits, which is huge yeah. in this book. This whole, mm -hmm. yeah. this whole book is based on it. And it definitely existed before this book, but I, I dare say that this is the one that if you hear someone talk about it now mm -hmm. in these kinds of terms, it comes more from this book than any pre-existing doctrine. I probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, well, that was what was kind of most interesting to me about this early part was that it was about, you know, the spirit of this place, which like you can get in the Bible more like in the sense of like, oh, I was, you know, held back by like the Prince of Persia, not the game. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I was held back by Jordan Mechner specifically. The notion that like these places and cities and territories, which they seem to mostly be man-made sort of places, like they're civilizations, like, and stuff. Yeah. it's not like the, the spirit of the Grand Canyon or something. It'd be yeah, like, no, it's the, not, the, it's the not like fairies or elves. Or yeah, right. yeah. it's much more of like an angel or a demon or something of that sort. And part of the huge conflict of this book is the whole they're going to take over the town, which is, by the way, yeah. the most vague shit ever. Like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the it's town will be ours. Very, like, very unclear. Yeah. But it's like that whole thing of like, no, there's geographic territory up for grabs yeah. here that yeah. the angels and demons are fighting over. And you, a uh, suburban uh, Christian man, by praying, you are essentially a troop yeah. taking taking actual territory. We're not going to lose this like we lost Vietnam, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> it's the yeah. 80s kind yeah. of thing. Like, yeah. th there's oh, so much. About that. Yeah. There, oh, God, there is so much weird, like, military well, the angels are, like, wearing fear. fatigues or, or something. He refers like, to them as fatigues because they're yeah. wearing angel outfits, but instead of, like, the like robe. Khaki? They, yeah, they have tunics <laughs> and pants. 
essentially. He's like, yeah, they're not going to have robes. We're, I'm, put, I'm putting pants on them. But the, the rest of it is normal. <laughs> and, and the, the, this, this territorial stuff, it really is. It's happening one building at a time, one block yeah. at a time. Yeah. Uh, there are battle lines that are drawn and the forces of darkness are encroaching. And I'm also curious to hear just sort of our thoughts about this prayer warrior mechanic again like mm. the base stat boost that we receive and then stack bonus for every 10 i don't know if it's an yeah. exponential thing or what i'm thinking it might be i'm thinking it might well, be that this like this is i mean this is one of the things that that gets frank Preddy in a lot of hot water mm. um book publishing is so funny in the christian world because like you want to make like attendant materials like study guides or mm. like things where you can be like oh Here's how this lines up with the Bible. You can use it as like a Sunday school curriculum for a couple oh, of months. Sure, yeah, yeah. Frank yeah. Peretti, to his credit, has never done this uh, because he maintains that he writes fiction. He also just gets a lot of heat because people uh, are like, this is bad theology. This makes demons look too powerful. And it's like because, again, Pentecostal stuff is embarrassing to a lot of other evangelical Christians. We talked about that a little bit in our Jesus yeah. Camp episode. Right. It's just like. To a lot of talk. that is aesthetic in nature. Yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. a very at the core. They're really. This is one of the funny things about that Michael W. Smith thing I mentioned because Michael W. Smith is about as down the middle Mitt Romney voter like yeah. CCM <laughs> yeah. guy uh, as you can imagine. But he's making things that are you know Frank Peretti uh, yeah. inspired, which is howling Pentecostal like yeah, right. you know we're, we're two clicks down from snake handling at this point yeah it's yeah. it's it's the longest Carmen song in existence yes. <laughs> actually yeah Carmen is I think of all the big CCM people Carmen's your your guy who captures yeah. this perfectly yeah but like yeah Oof. so Frank is like well if you want the real thing read the Bible but a lot of his other horror stories are metaphorical, right? They're like, oh, the oath is about a town where everyone's taken over by sin and the sin manifests in the form of a dragon and also like a wasting disease. But here it's like he's talking about shit that he actually believes 100 percent. And when you start talking yeah. that way about prayer, you start falling into a weird territory because you can't like easily I, I'd argue you can't really theologically define Christian prayer in any way without limiting the power of God, which itself is blasphemy. Mm. So you just kind of sure. have to be like, yeah, you just should pray. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you why. We can't really get into the mechanics of it because it does stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, and yeah, I mean, probably. I, I, would, I would even argue that to to be so over the top with prayer is in and of itself. Like, you know, there's the the Bible passage, what Jesus said, like, you know, when you pray, don't pray like those guys who go out mm -hmm. in the streets and are really loud about it. <laughs> Which you know, does. Oh, exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. That's how they win. Yeah. It's They're, weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. He goes into interceding a lot. And like, I think that's like, because he gets into like deep mechanics. Like, I think yeah. mechanics, I think, is a good word for this because this, this does treat it like a real, like actual rule set. There are hard rules of this world. They're terribly mm -hmm. defined and they, they make no sense and they're inconsistent. But yeah. it is like, no, he's interceding for them, meaning that he's like basically going, hey, God, please do not smite these people, please. Basically, you know, like yeah. uh, Abraham and, you know, with uh, uh, Sodom, I guess, and, oh, yeah. uh, and yeah. stuff. It's that kind of. This thing where you're sort of praying for a wicked city and God's going, all right, okay, kind of thing. And it's like, it's never really elucidated exactly what that was. Like, God was like, okay, you've convinced me or something. Yeah. There's not a lot of convincing God of things in this theology because that would be, yeah, blasphemous and weird. So you kind of are stuck in a, what is the point of this? Other than we're just told to do it. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. just giving power ups to the angels. <laughs> I want to, I want to talk about the end of Pokemon, the first movie. 
Okay. okay. Because yeah. I think it's very... Speaking of demons. I think it's... Yes, yeah, speaking <laughs> of demons who are coming to corrupt your children. There is something that works about that movie's ending for me. Uh, which is that when everybody, all the Pokemon tears cry their tears and they they bring Ash back to life. Yeah, right. That's true. Now imagine yeah. that, like ten minutes into Pokemon, the first movie, Ash dies, and uh-huh. all of the Pokemon cry and bring him back to life. And then every ten minutes until the end of the <laughs> yeah. movie, yeah, the Pokemon keep crying and Ash bringing Ash back to life. He just keeps dying in a variety of ways. Eventually. The Pokemon tears would seem kind of cheap, right? right? And a little bit yeah. dumb storytelling wise and a little bit predictable. Yeah. And that's what reading this book is like. It's yeah. like being in a car with someone who doesn't quite ma- hasn't quite mastered a manual transmission. And every 10 minutes, someone dies and gets reborn and dies yeah. and gets reborn. It's, it's, it's yeah. Peter Pan walking onto the stage at the beginning of the play and being like, Tinkerbell is already dead. You need to start clapping. <laughs> yes. And you and cannot keep clapping stop until we're done. Exactly. All is lost every like. 10 pages. Uh, yeah. yeah. But also, and then they get it right back three pages later. Yeah. But he tries to convince you that all is lost. But again, it's for things like, oh, no, this pastor guy might be voted out and it's the end of the world. And I'm like, well, you haven't convinced me adequately that it is the end of the right, world. Yeah. So why yeah. the fuck should I care that an angel rigs the vote? <laughs> yeah. like, that's Because yeah. that's what he does. The woman is sick and dying and the angel revitalizes her enough to get her to the church to vote. It's a rigged vote. The angels yeah. cheat, well, which yeah. is Again, a wild thing. One more time. It's uh, just to just to reiterate. It's two votes that he wins by. One of which was somebody who almost uh, yep. was dying, and the second person was an ineligible voter. <laughs> Look, we have all done this when we've played Civ, right? Like you, yes. you, you do a coup at the one city state, you bring one civilization back to life, and then right. you win the World Congress. Right, the right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we know about the prayer cover system. Again, key mechanic, one of the great <laughs> mechanics in gaming. Uh, mm-hmm. It's right up there with you know the CQC and Metal Gear Solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there mm-hmm. actually is something similar in the chiral cover in Death. Stranding. That's what mm. you're spending the whole game doing is building oh, the yeah. chiral network, but, but it's with prayers. Perfect. Yes. This present darkness was actually the first strand type. Yes. Book. <laughs> the strand yes. But yeah, uh, some more plot happens. Marshall then goes to the church for fake Christians. Yeah. And well, mm. so Marshall had had this con like. He got kicked out of his daughter's class. He had an argument with his daughter. He also talked to the police chief. But in both the cases of his daughter's class and the police chief, whenever someone's talking to him, he finds himself suddenly kind of hypnotized. He can't say no to them. And then he just sort of sees himself out. And it's like, whoa, what's going on? And yeah, he goes to this other church. There's two churches in town. There's the real church, Mm -hmm. the tiny Pentecostal one. And then there's this this big. It's not like a mega church. It's right. like an Episcopalian church. Yeah. It's like your mainline yeah. sort of milk toast kind of thing. They probably let a woman speak there. It even, yes. it even says, uh, and I'm again just reading from the book here about the congregation. Many of them were professionals, doctors, teachers, lawyers, mm. self-proclaimed philosophers and poets. <laughs> a very large segment was from or connected in some way with the college. They took fastidious notes on Young's message as if it were a lecture. Did not God say, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness? What had remained in the darkness of tradition and ignorance, we find now revealed within ourselves. We discover, no rather, we rediscover Mm. the knowledge we have always had as a race. Uh Uh-oh. We are inherently divine in our very essence. Uh And have within ourselves the capacity for good the potential to become, as it were, gods. Wow. Made in the exact likeness of Father God, 
the ultimate source of all that is. People can't see the gesticulating. I'm doing the Bill yeah. Clinton. Yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah, it's really thumb, effective. Thumb on the fist. <laughs> also, anyone I knew who ever like said like would use that phrase "Father God" like yeah. when they were praying or whatever, Father always God. fundamentalist. Yeah, mm. and always like the like most that. fundamentalist. Yeah, and Father God, we come to you today. God, blah, 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 blah. You. Yeah. yeah, this is Oliver Young, the fake minister, and uh, he is uh, a cucked lib. Uh, yeah. And his whole thing—he's actually getting cucked by that psychology teacher. <laughs> oh my yes, god, that's right. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. they're all sleeping with her. All these guys are are fucking her mm-hmm. and sucking her and getting little meditation sections yeah. sessions with her. Like, yeah. this is a very strange person. This lady, I yes. <laughs> like, I'm going to fuck every man in town so that I can get them to do meditation with me. Yes, yeah. Like, but we, for we the be- purposes of land acquisition, <laughs> we we begin learning. Uh, from this sermon, from other stuff, kind of what the core theology of the conspiracy is. It's this idea that they are themselves going to ascend to godhood or a godlike level, Mm -hmm. uh, and they are sort of hypnotizing everybody in the town to believe this. Now, this is one for AJ. Um, Again, curious how this landed with you, uh, given that you, unlike us, were not raised to be on guard from from such uh, witchcraft for your entire upbringing. <laughs> I mean, the thing about every argument against like Peretti's like morals in the book is that I agreed at least in part with some of everything. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it wasn't like for everything that he said was evil or bad. I was like, actually, that kind of sounds fine. And then yeah. he's like, no, this is bad and you must fear it. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know, that seems pretty reasonable it's because it's tempting. Yeah, I see. I see. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Yeah. I mean, in terms of the hypnosis thing, it's just like it's such an old hat trick at this point. And uh, it just they're all hypnostics. I I briefly I briefly thought that like Peretti was on Twitter uh, because he had there was a tweet that went around that just said that someone was like immune to sissy hypno. And I was just sitting there (laughs) being like... Is that what she's doing? Yes. Is, that, yeah. is she like sitting, yeah. is sitting yeah. all these men down and bimbifying them? IRL sissy hip now, yeah. for sure. <laughs> like, That's pretty crazy. That Peretti had his eyes out for this shit long before yeah. it was sort of in the mainstream yeah. consciousness. Yeah, at that point, it was all on tape. The, yeah, you had, to, you had to seek out. The particular paranoia of this is interesting because I actually don't know where Peretti landed at the time on the what. Was the daycare center McMullen? Uh, McMartin. McMartin daycare. I, I'm not familiar with this. What the McMartin preschool? Yeah, it's yeah. it's also like the most expensive court case that the U.S. ever had. They spent tons Whoa. of money on it, Jesus. huge amounts of resources, years and years and years of litigating, literally hundreds of charges against these people for committing satanic ritual abuse against children. That right. didn't happen. That like one of the big problems was that like um, these kids were like really coached to say a lot of different. Mm-hmm. To, to different things and like in in ways that i think peretti would probably say were like essentially akin to hypnosis or just high suggestion stuff yeah i wonder where he landed on that at the time if he was like no but that shit's real or something yeah like yeah. That's, that, the that's the actual way to truth that's the interesting thing is like here we have these characters this happens a little bit later in the story but but rape and molestation accusations end up being used as a tool of power against godly men over story. and over again it's like and half it's, a dozen times in this book and it's created yeah. using well one character just seems like she's fully malicious but also demon possessed right she's coming on to the right. pastor and yeah. then she does a whole potiphar's wife situation where she tears it part of his clothing runs off and blah 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 mm-hmm. classic shut up and play the hits peretti yeah <laughs> and 
the molestation thing comes about through a, a yeah like a regression hypnosis thing which is the basis for what led to all of this satanic panic stuff right it was that book written by a guy who's like oh yeah i have this patient who uncovered all of these childhood memories that mm-hmm. she had repressed saying that her family was part of a satanic cult abusing her also i've married my patient now don't ask questions anyway yeah. here's my book uh-huh. yeah <laughs> if you hear any uh, accusations against me by the way that's demons implanting that in people's yeah. Um, so yeah. it's it's almost like frank is is seeing that stuff in the news and then he's just turning it around to a different thing because it's probably something that he experienced in some form yeah, or another. Right. right. I think that like, that's, what's interesting about this is that Frank's theology is really in line with a lot of the f- kind of false teachings that he's kind mm-hmm. of, you know, like the, mm. the issue is not like things like, Oh, these people are going to manipulate you into doing bad stuff and it's going to fuck up your life or whatever. It's no, there is the spiritual world. They can be completely invoked in uh, different uh, ways and give you power. And they, they will do all this stuff. Like they'll fucking yeah. make you immortal. They'll do right. all this stuff. However, they're actually mean or something. Yeah. It's like a, right. like that. Yeah. Like there's Steve, there's Steve just good ones up. and bad ones. Yeah. Steve who yeah. shows up and gives you long life and riches. His actual name is Balthazar or something. <laughs> and in the end, you'll go to hell. But yeah. you will essentially though live forever and have endless riches or something. So it's like, it is a thing where, you know, Peretti's not like this shit is fake and these people are manipulating you via this fake shit. He's like, no, it is so incredibly real. They're yeah, just playing yeah. the evil side of it. Mm-hmm. The 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 Christianity of the, of this sort takes for granted a lot of like the kind of spiritualist and theosophist type of stuff that they're panicking about. And when by the time like the new age shit comes around because the new age is such like warmed over 60s counterculture right. kind of like and then like old theosophy Elena Blavatsky type shit. When we get back, we will dig into more claims of various wrongdoings <laughs> <laughs> and other such things. Uh, if you thought this first half was a doozy, boy, howdy, just you yeah, wait until part now two. now the book is really starting. So join us in the darkness after this. Greetings, true believers. The demon scam here. Uh, I mean... Perseus Malefactum here. Yes, that will do it. Your local bookmonger and perfectly normal human man. Fellow humans, do you like religion? Do you like the Bible? Do you like your Bible but wish it were louder? Introducing the Living Bible. It has everything you love about the normal Bible, plus an all-seeing eye that can peer into your very brain. Bound in the finest of human skin with a lock made of teeth of indeterminate origin, the Living Bible also has the ability to record your life in real time and predict every possible outcome of your future. It chronicles all the great life events, birth, death, and others. So get your Living Bible today and witness your life stretch out before you. Everything you've ever done and ever will do carved into the fleshy pages of the Living Bible. It all looks so boring, doesn't it? Written out like that? Just a series of tasks checked off a list over and over and over again. Go to sleep, wake up, go to work, repeat until you die. So why not change it? Pick up a pen and start writing new things into the living Bible. Something small to start. You fix the creak in the table or get a new pair of shoes or turn your cat purple. But then you start to think bigger. 
You win the lottery. You make a family in a cute three-bedroom house upstate, and you're happier than you've ever been. But all the while, you've noticed your skin started to shrivel, your hair's falling out in clumps, and your eyes have begun to merge into one singular vessel. Your husband asks if you're all right, and you find you can read his thoughts. He knows something is wrong, but you don't tell him because you know he wouldn't understand. Instead, you write in your book, and he stops thinking all those worrying thoughts as your teeth shift and crack in your mouth, forming the shape of a lock. Your skin growing tighter and tighter. You're so close, you think. I'll be happy if I change just a few more things. And the knowledge you have now, the world you can see now, is beautiful and bright and full of dark secrets. You want to know it all. So you write in the book. And your husband wakes up the next morning and rolls over to find not you, but another living Bible. He screams, but you don't hear him, because you are finally happy. Order your living Bible today. The only book whose spine is an actual spine. The Living Bible, putting the eye in Bible. We had a lot of offers of people who wanted to like option it for like a, a movie or like a oh, TV sure. show and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how how many of them actually could have done it or anything. We were we were not interested at all. But mm-hmm. that would be mm-hmm. like I've I've thought about like what would the pitch have to have been for me to go? Yeah, that sounds great. And I think yeah, diorama, fully animated <laughs> movie in sort of diorama form. Henry Selleck, yeah. It's the, yeah, do just Leica does a a night in the woods oh, movie. Yeah. I think that would have worked probably. Yeah. You can just reuse some of the Paranorman sets, honestly. So yeah. oh sure, yeah. yeah. There, uh, Frank Peretti talks about. Because he's had a few movie adaptations here and there. Mm-hmm. And he has tried to write a screenplay for this present darkness. And he yeah. can't. It surprised me with this abridged version of the book. He said he can't get it under like five hours. Oh, um, come on. Why? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much good shit in there. You got to. How do you choose what to take out? It's like kill your children. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. I, well, listen to the abridged version, honestly. Yeah. The abridged version, like, there's, it's just, they run around in circles for a really yeah. long time. Yeah. And it makes, there's all these characters that come in and out and in and out. Oh and it's my just God, like, yeah. And you could cut nearly all of them and it would have been fine. Yeah. You, you, you could, or you could just be like, oh yeah, then there was Steve, he's dead. You don't have to have a conversation <laughs> with Steve and then later go, Steve's dead. You could just go, oh no, Steve died under mysterious circumstances. You don't actually have to go, right. I had a conversation with Steve. He told me nothing. And then, and then he, he died. died. It's like, why is this? And like, yeah, it's the, it's his fucking redundancy. He just says yeah, everything yeah. three or four times when he needs it like once. You know, new age religion uh, is, is becoming a bigger and bigger part of the story. We are also introduced around halfway through uh, to a new guy, or in this case, it's a new <laughs> girl. Uh, her name is Carmen. Uh, mm-hmm. She is a godless Jezebel. She is. Yeah, who is possessed of demons of lust and making uh, married men think some thoughts they shouldn't be thinking. Right, she, right. She's, mm-hmm. 
she is she is sent in uh, as a as the that's it was the perfect cover to is it, to be this mysterious hot woman that shows up randomly <laughs> and really wants to ingratiate themselves in with the heads of with all the male heads of everything yeah, that with, she's involved yeah. with and, with yeah, the pastor cover. and the editor of the newspaper like it's just fucking nonsense also yeah. go seek out the protagonists <laughs> was she, <laughs> was she go around protagonist to get fucked I like, I miss this is she new in town or was like has she been there for a long time. I don't think it even says. I I thought she was the lady who recently divorced, but I could be getting that mixed up with someone else who was only talked about in the first half of the book. I don't know. The only thing we really need to know about Carmen is that, yes, A, the whole possessive lust in trying to tempt our protagonists, and B, after she fails to seduce Hank, the minister, she goes off to the newspaper and basically becomes a sleeper agent there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she yeah. taps their phones. This right. is a That's running a thing in the book is that the, the men of God and men in general, but the men of God are tempted into sin. Whereas a lot yeah. of the women are possessed of something that is mm-hmm. either, yeah. that's either part of their right. nature intrinsically or is a demon actually working through them. Like there's something about the way the women are, Versus the way the men yeah. are tempted to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's only really popped up hmm. in a couple books before. Freddie's um, hmm. playing the hits. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> it, it is something that was interesting about it because he tries to have these female protagonists. Bernice is, I think, the one that comes off best. Uh, yes. But um, every, most of the other ones are somehow corrupted or tempted or something that has been working through them generally. Right. Yeah, it's it's kind of bizarre. Like, like Hank and... Um, and Marshall have this sort of inner strength that's like cultivated mm-hmm. and stuff is a part of their character and they need help to kind of, you know, stick with it uh, from angels, but they have like a, and prayer, multi- of course the yeah. prayer helps the angels better ward mm-hmm. off the, you know, demons of temptation or what have you. Right. Yeah. They have, and there's, there's a couple of times where the angels are like, okay, we got to hold off. Don't, don't do anything to protect these guys. They have to go through something here. They have to be tested. And that's not really explained why that is. But, like, they have to be tested. Well, for and, plot, Scott. It's, yeah, sure. It's we, have plot. To, we have yes. to kill another 50 pages of, like, and then he walked into this other room, and it was very spooky. And then he walked into the kitchen. No one oh, there. Yeah. But it was very spooky. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, where now they're getting haunted by demons. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the demons are filling their houses. And all that that amounts to is they wake up and feel kind of shitty. Yeah. Yeah, they, they they get spooked. There's uh, he's walking around the house in the baseball bat, very sitcom ish thing happens yeah. here, and then like he's like assailed by the demons of getting freaked out at night because you think someone's in your house even though they're not, and he's yeah. like what do the thing. He's like creeping from room to room, and then oh no, he like finds somebody and he turns on the light and screams, oh no, it was just his wife. Ah, ha ha, we scared wah, wah. each other, kind of yeah. thing. It's like. Yeah. But that is pitched as a battle of the fucking ages. When mm-hmm. it happens. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because he's establishes this tension of like, oh, no, this is a scary house. There's like something weird happening. I feel deeply uneasy. He makes his mind down this like darkened hallway, all the tropes that you would expect from this. But then insanely, he cuts to the demons around him going, you're feeling really scared right now, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) And all the tension is immediately gone. It's like watching Freddy Krueger like plan the dreams before like subjecting his nightmares to them, like going through each step by step. It's like, well, I don't know. We did the bank con last week. Are we doing that one again? Like, it's like, it's true. Truly, it's truly mind-boggling how inept he is at scaring you. Yeah, because he can't, because, and it's it comes from the theology. I do think it, it does, yeah. because he can't, for lack of better words, like, deceive you into thinking that this person is good 
when they turn out to be bad or yeah. this person or there's a presence here. I don't know what it is or something like right. that. Mystery is something Frank. It's like someone will show up and be like, uh, like, um, it's like the police chief showed up. He was really evil or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah. There's not like a lot of like, <laughs> well, there's right. no questions. And then they show you exactly what's going on. It's the most, it makes everything mundane. Yeah, it was like Marshall wondered why he seemed so evil. And then it cuts away to the demon on his shoulder was making him evil. That's yeah. <laughs> It's incredibly wow. bizarre the way he does he does it because he, he can't allow mystery or a sense of otherness no. or unknown. There are no unknowns in this book. There's an answer for every single thing with specificity. And, and like a name. there, there yeah. is in other Frank Peretti I, that, books. I was about to say the same thing. Yeah. It doesn't stay this way. Like even mm-hmm. in Hangman's Curse. Yeah, there's like misdirection. The yeah. way it yeah. resolves is really stupid, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it sets up a lot of questions and leaves mm-hmm. you asking them for a while. Like to the point where the visitation even opens where it's kind of vaguely describing this crucifixion. Right. It's like, oh, he's bound to the 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 wood and like there's people jeering him and they're calling him. And it's like, oh, he's talking about Jesus. And then you find out three quarters of the way through. Oh, no, he's talking about this weird satanic false messiah that has actually emerged in this sleepy Washington town. It's like, oh, he mm. did learn. <laughs> he did learn sleepy how to like, pace something occasionally. Yeah. And he gets into something the the back half of this book, especially when we get to the very end where he he wants to write. He writes very cinematically. He writes like a movie. Yeah. Like yeah, he does yeah, not yeah. write. It is a movie with a lot of narration. There's dialogue and there's descriptions. He, and that's he refers it. to yeah. this as a movie of the mind. Okay, <laughs> sweet. Again, very Garth Marenghi. It's yeah. so Garth Marenghi. It hurts. <laughs> he is much more of a Garth Marenghi than like the Stephen King, I think. Like, because well, the reason yeah, I said right. this is because like I was a huge fan of the Cooper Kids books when I was a kid. Yeah, like I okay. read and reread those many times, and they are much better books than this is. Yes, like yeah. much much better, and they do suspense better, and and they're still it's, it has all the problems in every other way of his of his <laughs> writing and worldview and everything. But I do remember like the tombs of Anak actually having some legit sort of suspense and some mystery as to what's going on in which part of because that that those series deal with a lot of like the okay well what's the legend of this thing and is there a mundane reason for why this is happening or is it satan or something like it <laughs> it's probably the, satan it's probably and, well the answer is usually both like there's, there's mm. some sort of actual fake out thing he, sure. he gets he gets better with fake out he gets a lot better with yeah. fake out he gets but, a lot better with um who is actually a good guy and who's actually a bad but guy there are stuff. no oh, fake, God, outs fake outs here uh instead we get yeah again Carmen, the wanton Jezebel, we get a new character named Susan. And again, she starts out as the maidservant to the big bad. But we yeah, know that she's yeah. not a bad guy because they call her Susan, which means that she's going to have a redemption. Yeah, yeah. There's this. Yeah, there's this ranch outside of town. It's in a valley between two mountains or something. And it's nondescript. There's it's like it's almost cool. What he's describing is like almost cool. It's like this totally blank place that has all of these things flowing in and out of it. Mm -hmm. And then it's just like, and it's staffed by all of these weird kind of Chinese-ish guys. (laughs) And it's like, what? Yeah, (laughs) it's a little... Mm -hmm. This is, I believe, where the real because like the deep demonic names <laughs> being all sort of like quasi Persian ish in a lot of ways. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. the actual like, you know, like, yo, that shit's in the Bible because like that was like their neighbors, not because right, that's they just, were. That's, that's the, <laughs> if you're in America, right. that's the evil place well, where evil I, comes from. To that point, yeah. exactly. I'd love to jump forward a little bit yeah. to a scene that we get uh, after all this where now we are in New York City. 
But suddenly yeah. we just are in New York. The maid servant is out there. She's working for the big dude who's working in this nondescript camp. That's basically Rajneesh Param. Alexander Kasif is yeah. his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, mm-hmm. he's referred to as Kasif. Senator John Kasich. Uh, mm-hmm. Senator yes. John Kasif. And yes. there's some angels out in New York and they're like, oh, let's hope this works. The prayer covers real bad out here. <laughs> <laughs> no Christians in New York. So, just uh, Catholics. Is that on a, a per capita basis? Because like there are more yeah, Christians right? in New York than there are in Ashton, certainly just by sheer Absolutely. number. Or is it like on a percentage? I, I think it has to be. Yeah, because. If you're not Christian, then you're automatically worshiping Satan. Yeah. So here we have a description of what the angels see at Mm. the hotel where the Universal Consciousness Society, which is basically the overarching cult, is having, I don't know, their annual gala or something. Consciousness con. The annual evil meditation. (laughs) There's one point where where someone says that they have a lot of friends in the UN. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's Uh like, oh, okay. This is our our global conspiracy people here, essentially, yeah. Yeah. Tall and Guilo. Oh, by the way, there's an angel named Guilo. More like Guido, as far as I'm concerned. Pretty friends as Guilo. There's no Gui in there. Oh, that's because it is Guilo. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Tall and Guilo watched with fascination. In the sky overhead, other demons began flocking to the hotel like swallows. Their black, winged outlines silhouetted against the reddening sky. Winged. A uh, significant gathering, Captain. Hey, I'm the only Italian here. I should get to do the Italian voice. And continued watching. Amid the limousines were many taxis, also carrying a vast cross-section of humanity. Oh, Jesus. Orientals. Oh, boy. Africans. Mm. Europeans. Westerners who are different from Europeans. Well, yeah, you can tell from their hats. They're they're cowboys. They're cowboys. (laughs) Howdy, said the demon. Arabians. (laughs) People of great power, esteem, and dignity from all over the world. Yeah, we got that with the continents thing. Yeah. Yeah. As written in the scriptures, the kings of the earth, Tall observed, being made drunk with the wine of the great harlot's immorality. Babylon the Great! said Guilo. <laughs> the great harlot rising at last. Yes, <laughs> universal consciousness, the world religion, the doctrine of demons spreading among all the nations. Babylon revived right before the end of the age. It's the return of the prince of Babylon, Rafar. It's of course. me, Rafario. <laughs> <laughs> and that explains why we were called that's who we were you the last are. to confront him. Why is we italicized there? That <laughs> we, was not an epithet. As opposed to the others who would have... Oh, uh, we were called. This is horrible writing. <laughs> <laughs> this is just garbage story because it's like all of this has been established. Oh, yeah. So many times at this point. This has been said so many times. <laughs> anyway. AJ, I would love to hear from you about this, being somebody who writes a fair bit. I would love to hear your take on just the mechanics of this. And the can... Irishman in me was so happy today because the queen is dead. <laughs> yeah. And then the Italian side of me you had to make so sad uh-huh. <laughs> by doing that impeccable accent. Look, yeah, man, make this... it a pizza. It's uh, Bocca di Peppo. Uh, this is, like, it's so racist. <laughs> it's so boring. Like, again, it was so hard for me to retain anything from 
from the angels and demons sections because they fundamentally don't do anything. You want to yeah. have characters who are actively pursuing goals, but yeah. they mm-hmm. can't right. because by definition, they have to have humans pray to them and then they do yeah. the things the humans tell them to do. Yeah. They're right. vessels. They're not characters because well, they don't and, want or need anything. They don't really have agency uh, in terms of what their assignment is either. They no. get their marching orders from on high and yeah. like you said, they get prayer support from underneath. They just mm-hmm. exist for the sake of advancing <laughs> the plot. Yeah, and I don't know who the great harlot is, and like I'll never. Oh, I that's guess the I whore of Babylon, as listed in the Book of Revelation. Yeah, it's a biblical yeah. thing. I mean, specifically, it. it's that psychologist lady. Yeah, I've, I actually have heard it uh, when I was growing up referred to as the Catholic Church. So right. you yes. do know oh, yeah. the great harlot. There you go. It's yeah. me. Yeah. It actually oh, no. is. Yeah, I have been the great harlot all along. This, yeah, uh, it's, that's like it, the twist. AJ is the whore of Babylon. Did it? Yeah, that's a teacher. He can get away with it because he's like, but I had a black angel yeah, earlier. Right. I have a black beefcake. He, he uses yeah. a lot of the same words to refer to his multicultural, uh, yes. multiracial angel core, which it's not really established as to why the angels have like inherent human likenesses in this. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> yeah, these um, are not biblically accurate angels. I would have loved that though. Are you kidding me? Like just yeah. like a thing with a thousand eyes and washboard yeah. abs. Yeah. I mean, that's I'm on board. And there's also demons from everywhere, right? He says his, his big yellow eyes studied carefully the orderly ranks of all the demons lined up around him. A horrible gathering. These were spirits from the principality levels. Princes themselves Monica. of their own nations. Peoples. <laughs> tribes. City state demons. Some were from Africa. Some ah. were from the Orient. Ah, yes. Several were from Europe. Ah. All ah. were invincible. 100% demon. <laughs> uh, as far as like who they are as characters, the interesting thing is there is some, well, very few people have any sort of change or arc. I think Lucius is the closest you get to yeah. a dynamic character, yeah. and he's like a the demon who is the big guy who is then the, the not big guy and then is like keeps getting de- like replaced by bigger demons throughout right. the whole yeah. time uh, that are introduced. And then like, I think among the angels, the biggest drama is some guys just want to kick ass too hard. Right. And they, <laughs> and they have to wait. wait. You got to wait guys. You can't do it yet. You yeah. Gotta wait. Basically it, it's that kind of thing. The whole thing is like, Oh Lord, let me loose my spear at them. And he's like, no, old chum, <laughs> we can't yet. And he's like, Oh, fine. And then like, but why like can't at one point, he? Triscoll freaks out at a demon because he just got like fucked up by Rafar oh or something. That's right. like the closest thing you get yeah. to them doing anything of any interest at all. Which seems so counterproductive to what he's trying to do when your like greatest drama is amongst the demons, right? When your most interesting characters are right. the demons. Yeah. yeah, Lucius suddenly has a thing to do in the last two chapters where right. he's like, yeah. Aha. Now we know that the Universal Consciousness Society is trying to take over the town of Ashton by acquiring yep. the land the college, etc. Because I guess as goes Ashton, so too goes America. I really don't know. Well, yeah. it's, it's one step in the process. They're right. going to buy up this college yeah. town. And what do colleges do? They teach your children. Yeah. Whose right. children are they? Whose children are they? Yeah, this is the first domino, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. And Bernice actually uh, goes out and does some more sleuthing and discovers that on real estate records, which have been hidden, the whole town is getting bought up by this company yeah. called Omni International. 
Yeah, and her first sign that something was wrong was she went to the usual grocery store and now there were a bunch of immigrants working there. <laughs> like not Wait, the I missed people. That. Yeah, she's like she yeah. went to the grocery store but the old owners weren't there anymore and she didn't even think that the employees oh, there like still spoke English. Yeah, oh boy. I forgot about even this. though you find out that the uh, old owners are also like barely able to speak English because they're talk Italians. About this yes. book and being like pleasantly surprised and again this bar is so low. Yeah. Right. <laughs> surprised how it wasn't overtly anti-semitic it was this part where i was just like oh there's these rich organization of people who just wander around the earth buying up land and getting people into their debt and i'm like oh jesus christ Mm -hmm. uh frank but he steers at least i mean all this has that inherently in it yeah stuff yeah but um it's he, he he takes pains it seems to steer clear of that is at least as far as i saw that was the one thing i was looking out for that yeah. i did not spy and i was like he had to have done that on purpose i feel like he had to have been like i'm not gonna be anti-semitic though when i do this whole thing <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah at least i'm not doing right. that guys okay well it's an interesting thing because we actually observe this in adventures in odyssey too there's this whole thing with like a conglomerate that wants to buy the old rec center and right. turn it into a strip mall with a video arcade in it. Yeah. And then that mm-hmm. turns out to be o- owned by the devious Dutchman Regis Blackard. But like, right. yeah. this is like a, a thing, I think, in just like the 80s. Yeah. People talking about like private sure. umbrella firms going up and buying a lot of land, which, you know, was actually happening in real life. I think it does sure. mirror to an extent real world anxieties. Yeah. And we've, we've talked about this in, in terms of what was happening historically in this moment around the turn of I think the decade from the 80s to yeah. the 90s that yeah. we all of a sudden started to see land and real estate becoming a preferred asset class and that's just yeah. continued to accelerate yeah. but friends how does Frank Peretti feel about arcades <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was say. this is my favorite passage in the book it's so good I came like a fire hose when I read this <laughs> it this is my favorite it shit it also has one of my favorite micro redundancies yeah it's, like, it's a really good example of that's his entire writing style. Like used like four words when you maybe could have used one. I'm going to read this. I'm going to do this like creepy. Like it's scary. Mm. Mm. Hank took a turn he'd never taken before. Down a street he'd never looked at before. And finally stopped outside a business establishment he had only heard bad stories about but could never find. Such a Ooh. bad sentence. Uh, the business establishment. <laughs> <laughs> he stood outside the door staring amazed at the number of kids going in and out like bees like bees not the bees yeah finally he stepped inside finally how long was he out there he had to wait for the uh narration to finish so he could walk in (laughs) creone and triscal tried their very best to look meek and non-threatening as they followed him amazing they have sonic characters in this too big the cat don't go in there. Yeah, Triskel is approximately the size of an average human mother. <laughs> <laughs> the cave was aptly named. The power it took to run the rows upon rows of flickering, beeping video games was made up for by the total absence of any other lights. Except a little blue globe here and there in the black ceiling with an occasional watt meandering through it. An occasional what? watt? Like, yeah, like, like it would only light occasionally? 
I guess. Water? Like, power. I don't know. A little bit of power running through. All right. Power to run the rows and rows of flickering beeping is made for a total absence of other. That's a terrible sentence. Like, what are you talking <laughs> yeah. about, Frank? <laughs> it's like running we've, out of breath. We've already put more thought into yeah. this sentence than Frank Peretti did writing it. The power it took to run the rows and <laughs> rows of flickering <laughs> beeping video up games up was made up before. We can't get too hung up on this one sentence because uh, it's going to get better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was more sound than light. Heavy metal rock music pounded from the speakers yes. all, all around no. the room and clashed painfully with the myriads of electronic sounds tumbling out of the machines. One lone proprietor sat behind his little cash register in the corner oh no. reading a girly magazine whenever he wasn't making change for the game players. Hank had never seen so many quarters in one place. <laughs> Here were kids of all ages, with few other places to go, mm -hmm. congregating after school and all through the weekends to hang out, mm -hmm. hang on, what? play games, okay. pair up, um, wander off, huh? do drugs, okay. do sex, do, sex. do whatever. <laughs> Do sex. I love doing sex, dude. <laughs> Hank knew this place was a hellhole. It wasn't the machines, or the decor, or the dimness. It was just the pungent, spiritual stench of demons having their heyday. He felt sick to his stomach. <laughs> is that scene in the abridged version? No. Damn, yeah. coward. Wh which is a shame because I remembered it from when I was a kid. Of yeah. like, it was the evil... Because like he, it's it really mirrors his description of the carnival. So anytime there's yeah, games yeah, yeah. of sport or chance of any sort, Frank is like, no, that that is where that is where evil. <laughs> They're gonna hang lies. out, hang on, tune yeah. in, drop out, <laughs> yeah. do drugs, do sex. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, get, like, sex. Well, he does that. He does that same description in the carnival part. He's like, he's like, get pregnant, get beat up, <laughs> yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah. He thinks he's doing like a parallel construction yeah. thing, and that's just not what he's doing. No, Scott. Yeah. We, the three of us, we grew up. We were born at the very end of the '80s, very beginning okay. of the '90s. Yeah, arcades were in the past, kind of like you went right. to yeah. an arcade, and it was like eh, kind of rickety, or like and the little room next to the movie yeah, theater, a like place a that kids hung there. out. Right. Like yeah. there was not any of this, aside from maybe the Carnival cabinet. There was not any of this like moral <laughs> panic around it. Did you right. experience any of that as a kid? Right. So I should say that I was born in '81. So I was like, I was a, I was really. Kind coming into like an awareness of all this late 80s I'd say mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then so like maybe 88 on I was like really aware of this kind of stuff and then the arcade was definitely like there were still arcades around yeah and stuff mm. they were more and more something that was I that was either attached to like a movie theater or like a skating rink or at a mall you'd see them at mm -hmm. malls a lot of like mm -hmm. that that kind of like uh Dave and Buster's ass kind of place yeah. although occasionally <laughs> Yeah. There's a place that still exists right outside of Altoona, Pennsylvania, called Slinky's Action Zone, which is oh, an arcade. Yeah. Like an old thing. school, like real yeah. video it is, arcade. It is a shitty, shitty place. I think it's like, it probably, and apologies to any, uh, the owner of Slinky's Action Zone, if you're <laughs> hearing this, but it's definitely the He's place. He's a patron, actually. He loves yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Uh, so you're like he pays us in quarters, gone. though. It's, the, very, <laughs> uh, token. it's it the most quarters we've ever seen. It is yeah. definitely like probably like the number one spot that like 
20 or 25 year olds get busted for trying to pick up teenagers. It's yeah. that kind of place oh, and yeah. stuff. It's just super. That's bummer super, energy. Super <laughs> yeah. grimy and stuff. But, um, but there was kind of, there wasn't as much of a panic around arcade games. By this point, it was home consoles and right. Dungeons and Dragons yeah. and yeah. stuff. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the arcade was much more of the, like there was the social aspect of it. Of like, that's where you go to get involved with like bad people as opposed to the uh-huh. games themselves. Cause like no one had a fucking problem with like Galaga or Pac-Man right. or something like that. They <laughs> right. had a problem with all this other stuff. And so it was more of a, Oh, you're going there and like smoking cigarettes and, uh, yeah, you're yeah, hanging me. out, hanging yeah, on. I like that these kids are like going and like plowing each other in the back alleyway. <laughs> yeah. While this one lone attendant is just reading pornos and handing out quarters. Yeah, like they're sucking and fucking in the Jurassic Park light <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's basically what have been it. Yeah. Well, which is which is which is hilarious because like the largest arcade in the world, uh, which is in Meredith, New Hampshire, that's called Fun Spot, mm-hmm. uh, is like the mm. only arcade I've ever like really spent a lot of time at, and that's owned by a man who renamed the street leading up to his arcade John Galt Way. Wow. Yes, dude. <laughs> that is pure New Hampshire. Yeah, I feel like yeah. the only the only instance of I've, I remember is in Willowbrook Mall, which is one of the like five malls around where I grew up in, in North Jersey. Mm-hmm. In uh when we were in high school, so this is like late tail end of the 90s, um, that was the yeah. place where we would go. There was an arcade there, and that was the place where you were you would kind of go to sort of like meet meet girls that mm-hmm. kind of thing it was like if, oh, we, sure. if it wasn't a, if for us it was like going to punk shows and hanging out at the arcade where the place where you met like you know like check it out there's some goth chicks kind of thing <laughs> you just uh, say it so easily but like if frank Preddy heard those words he'd cower in fear yeah uh, honestly <laughs> punk shows. this was a big moment for me going to punk shows coming out of this when i was a when i was a child but there was a lot of christian punk at the time that was directly That's dealing true. with such principalities and powers so a young you know, man scott benson on his shoulders was perched a demon, all talons, all yellow eyes. His name was Punk Rock. <laughs> his name was, check out that goth chick. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's this whole conspiracy that's getting unraveled where a bunch of people, including the previous good pastor, have been thrown out of town. Right. Yeah. All of their stuff is getting bought out from under them. By Omni. Turns out that, that uh, professor lady is a graduate of UCLA. I wonder why oh, that's in there. That. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the and then of course the handmaiden lady, she used her time in New York and the angels helped her jump out of a bathroom window to call a guy named Weed mm-hmm. <laughs> on the phone uh-huh. and then jump back in. Appropriately named. And yeah. this yes. this Weed guy was like friends. Uh, yeah, this shit is a, a mess. There's a whole thing where like Bernice oh, had a God. sister who died yes. at this college, which is why she lives in this town of now. suicide. Of, yes. Yeah, of cutting her own throat with like a satanic dagger. And she was in her underwear at uh, the time. No, it was not suicide. It was murder. Okay, that's where they come to eventually is that it was murder yeah. I thought, demon, I thought it was like demon assisted murder right it was it, it yeah. was it's yeah. still murder though still counts oh uh, right it's not like suicide yeah. so yeah it's not as if there's a demon named suicide like they, can't, they can't try yeah. anyone for it right yeah. <laughs> no it's it's, yeah. it's it's frank wanting to have his like so like uh, like the when that popped up it's a completely superfluous side plot you could completely yeah. uh, eliminate every character from that side plot in it but right. i think at one point frank got to a point where he's like why does Bernice care about any of this shit? Like, <laughs> right, I have a right. fundamental motivation problem where I yeah. need this extra extra journo. What do I have them do? I've been debating how and why to talk about this on the show for a little bit, but it's this is not new anymore. So, um, you know, I lost my own sister to suicide a couple months ago. Mm. And mm-hmm. 
there's really something about how I've now been noticing how frequent it is for hacks to use suicide as a reason for you to care about a character. It's yeah. like you were saying, Scott, it's like, yeah. we need this character to have a motivation. Well, yeah. if somebody close to her killed herself, now we care about her. I think it's like a doubly frustrating thing to have that really hacky way out of like, this person has experienced suicide, therefore they have character development. Yeah. Right, coupled yeah. with the fact that in the world of this book, people only kill themselves when they are possessed by a demon that makes yeah. them go down that road. Yeah. And I just yeah. have yeah. a real problem with that. Yeah. And when they've Absolutely. voluntarily given their bodies over to these demons. Right. Yeah. Like, it's not just like the demon crept up on them like Reagan in The Exorcist. Right. It's just like you had to go to the 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 sissy hypno sessions. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and get the evil demon to climb into your head and make you do this for XYZ well, unnamed yeah. reason. It's just, it's, it is a hack thing because this thing, it feels like it was written by a seventh grader. He's like, well, what's the most dramatic mm-hmm. thing that can possibly happen to somebody? Yeah. Right. Well, it's this. And it basically ends up being like like a toddler with a handgun, right? It's just like firing off in all directions, not yeah. really knowing what the fuck he's even doing. And and yeah. this happens again because now we have it's the pastor who's going out of town to like meet up with people. Like he gets a distressed call and he's talking to some of these people who had left town. And then he goes to this house. The house is full of demons. Mm-hmm. And again, the demons could have killed him. Like, if you want to make the story scary, the okay. demons could actually have some, like, presence in yes. this world. Yeah. By the way, another note about that guy. He was yeah. also falsely accused of molestation. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm not kidding. It's like half a dozen dudes or something. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. More than three. I have expected maybe. this to become the yeah. crucible midway through, honestly. Yeah. It was just, I saw Pastor Bush with Carmen, Goody Carmen I guess. Yeah. But this, yeah, this one we get the hat trick, right? We get, we yeah. get, the, we get the demons. We get the false molestation accusations and we get uh, the suicide and, by gun. And uh, the false all in molestation one. stuff like this shows up in other Frank Peretti books. Mm-hmm. This is a bell that he continues to ring. Mm-hmm. And it's because, well, look at this. Oh, don't 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 pay attention to what is happening right now with the Southern Baptist Convention, for instance. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. right. It's like, no, there's just a lot of devils out there trying to destroy our churches. Yeah, well, it's how they bring down men, and that's how yeah. and after feminism yeah. now, people listen to this, <laughs> which is part of the problem that's in this book, is that, like, the women are essentially getting uppity and getting out from under, yeah. like, the authority of, like, good, strong men that can kind of keep them on the straight and narrow. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and and so forth. Other but than uh, Edith or whoever the older missionary yeah, yeah, or the lady old. is, there's not a lot of like matriarchs of God. Oh, right. Yeah. This. Edith, Edith, who was a missionary to China and was no stranger to spiritual warfare from those uh, Buddhists. <laughs> uh, classic. Yeah. The, Mrs. The, the Cultural Revolution was just demon central. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mrs. Bush. I t- I don't know how Her else name's to Barbara. say Barbara. Barbara. Barbara Bush. <laughs> so Mrs. Bush is portrayed as like a good wife because right. when the Jezebel says, oh, you, your husband and I have been sleeping together for all this time, they just kind of look at each other, the Bushes, and then they look back at her and they both like nod and go, the power of Christ compels you. Right. Like, she yeah. is yeah. not for one second deluded into thinking that her husband could ever do that. I imagine from the perspective of someone who is a real person 
who has actually been sexually assaulted by a pastor. Mm -hmm. Imagine bringing that accusation to the fore and Mm -hmm. then just have everyone start fucking like slamming a Bible against your forehead and screaming at you. Demon, get out. Demon, get out. It's not unrealistic. No, that is absolutely something that happens. Yeah. 100 percent yeah and it's just not normally portrayed as like heroic like it is no, in this book not really. yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah. to the point of the suicide thing too that's another thing that traditionally christian culture evangelical culture in particular just doesn't know how to handle mm-hmm. um absolutely it's not it's not it's it's something that we don't have a vocabulary for in general but like when i was at the uh, funeral for my sister every person who came up to me like i I, first of all i hope nobody ever has to experience anything like this it's it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me and i pray that it never happens to you if you are listening to this but i do have a tip for if it does end up happening to you (laughs) if somebody walks up to you and says you know god has a plan and these things happen. We don't know why, but God has a plan. It's not worth it to like do anything. Just be like, okay, thank you. And that's what I did. But like this fucking shit being part of the plan in all these yeah. horrible little devices, like this is the part of the book that made me really, really angry, actually, yeah. because it really takes a special kind of piece of shit to like take something that is so, whether we're talking about something like assault or yeah. suicide, something that dramatically changes the life of a person forever. To yeah. take such a fundamentally ground-shaking thing and just make it a little device for the sake of just adding a little bit of texture to your characters, yeah. it's despicable. I think it's partly it's because he does not give these people stories and agency, really. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. simply like everyone in this, sto- in this story, aside from a few people, are essentially just statistics. It's like a, yeah. it's a this person is here to make a moral argument about worst case scenarios. And that's why they, they jump to it. It's just like that list of things of like the... Like I bind the spirit of alcoholism, suicide, teenage <laughs> yeah. pregnancy, like kind of thing. Like uh, it's it's just one of those things that they ends up getting used kind of flippantly. And it's one of those things I remember I had a friend, uh, I was dating, dating a girl who wasn't a, a Christian in high school. This is a big, huge problem. I was unequally yoked. And, well, yeah, uh, come on. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> that. At age 16, it's very important to be yoked equally. But she made some sort of comment of like the, yeah, the weird thing with the Christians is you just talk about like murder and death all the time. Like you're just always talking about yeah, like right. torture and mm-hmm. execution and stuff. And like just the way that you talk <laughs> about things is so there's just so much of that. I'm like, yeah, it's true. Because this is like late nineties. There was so much of a emphasis on like martyrdom, especially mm-hmm. within yeah. evangelicalism. And this is before Columbine. I don't really care if they label me a Jesus. Freak. Yeah. <laughs> what is that song? Cause that's easy talk. talk it's Jesus freak freak. Yeah. And it's wow. a song that they wrote to a, a company a devotional book yeah. that they co-wrote with the voices of the oh, martyrs yeah. all wow. about different martyrs. There's you just a, solved a 20-year-old mystery for me. Thank you. And I think there was also, <laughs> if I recall correctly, a Jesus Freak NIV Bible. You, yeah. you always, yes, yes. Oh, I knew a bunch of people yeah, with it. Yeah, and like though, that was a book that you could get that literally just listed out the story of someone who was martyred. And yeah. stuff. It was just that. And, and like up to like modern times, a lot of that's probably mm-hmm. completely apocryphal, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and like they would uh, and I remember like the book itself had this kind of like rough hewn cover. And like they, yep. they did that. It did that thing with the pages where they left them kind of untrimmed. Yeah. So you're reading something like pages this, along the like, end. Yeah, this rough sort of smuggled mm-hmm. in book. Oh, it's yeah. an edgy book. It's, yeah. Uh, you're getting the world's boringest stories about martyred Christians. No, they're super cool stories. That's the thing <laughs> about martyrdom stories. You keep them nice and fast and they're crisp. Mm. And it's like, here's this guy. He was told be bad 
bad and he's like, I'm going to be good. Then they threw him in a fucking brass bowl and set him on well, fire. Well, you know right? who's yeah. not fast and crisp with his writing is Frank Peretti. It's oh, true. And oh, I would like to read, this is one sentence. Mm. She reached into her bag and brought out a pair of dark sunglasses with which she covered her eyes. As opposed to what? Come <laughs> on. It's so good. I, 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 she put on her sunglasses. So we talked about like um, before we were we were talking specifically about suicide, about this place that he was going and wandering in, and there were demons, there were yeah. false accusations, and like suicide. And that's the yeah. Was that the ex editor of the paper? I believe. Yeah. He this was is like, the guy Ted. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. He gets like suicided, like uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's a Jeffrey Epstein situation. Yes. And then there's like another guy who you think is dead briefly and all the windows on his house are broken and they make it clear that that windows on both houses are broken differently mm-hmm. where one is like all in and then the other one is all out for some reason also yeah. also <laughs> call something from inside the house Brian at one point Susan's car goes over a ravine yes. and mm-hmm. so Bernice yes. sees it like fucking crash in this ravine and she somehow survives. I don't know yeah. how. Bernice doesn't even see it. The demons see oh, it the and they're like, oh, it. she's dead. Yeah. Let me explain this because AJ asked about it so I paid a lot of attention to it when I got to I that I was passage. also a bit confused. Yeah. And also Weed dies, right. you think, in a truck because he gets a Rufo slapped into his, his beer and it falls off of a bridge. Both of these incidents happen like in a row right. and you're like, why why did we just have two characters die the exact same also, way? Also, this part of the book, I will say, feels very much like Alan Wake insofar yes. as there's a lot of, like, being in the forest, running and driving around, yes. and nothing makes any sense. I'm, this I'm is just, why Frank Peretti in the future is just like, oh, yeah, everything's set in Washington and Idaho. Because, yeah. like, it should be. Because yeah. it gets more specific the, that way. Um, this is the part of the book you could have excised almost all of this. Yes. 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 It's yeah, it, it becomes very hard to follow. And look. Am I glad that after playing Alan Wake, we got to read its novelization in the form of this present darkness? Yeah, sure, I guess. I'm Alan Wake. I'm a young pastor in a Norman Rockwell-esque town. Today, the demons are coming for us. Anyway, so these these vehicles, they both crash. You see one van fall off of a mountain after this lady was, after we saw this lady, like, pack up a suitcase and escape the cult. And there's also, like, a small Hindu that is bothering her who is described as, quote, well, you know, he was like a guru or a witch doctor or some kind of far out Ooga Booga man. Oh, I remember seeing it. Yeah. The tiniest Hindu boy. (laughs) This is, that character is not written to be like, it's not written to be also an example of, well, this is what an idiot would say. It's like a, this is a rational person. I was listening to this without headphones on and then that line happened and I had to put headphones on. (laughs) This is a a character from the middle of of like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Right. And it's like, it's not good. Both of these vehicles have fallen to their deaths. The demons celebrate that they're (laughs) dead. The vehicles have fallen to their deaths. Because that's all that happened. Also, we've had moments where like demons like pull out the transmission and then angels plug them back in just in time to avoid like consequences. I read the whole thing. I, I really read too. it. But like uh, I wasn't really <laughs> reading it. You know what I mean? And so oh I know. I'm in so much pain, it's like physical pain. Literally like uh, actually demons unplugging your transmission and angels plugging it back in is about that's like the level of just bullshit people get up to in this. Like that's the yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that kind of thing where you're like, okay, well there's a bunch of angels and demons as these like monsters running around and guys yeah. who they fight 
with swords because technology has just never increased. Like they're Amish or something. They just stopped yes. at like the, the Bronze Age or something. And yeah, the, and stuff and like all this stuff you could do with it. And they mostly just hang around and then they do little mundane things like this, like the Amy Grant song <laughs> Angels or whatever. Mm. Like it is that right. kind of thing where it's like it's fucking guidepost shit. It's like yeah. it's Lord of the Rings soundtrack set, to, uh, but it's guidepost like. Yeah. Shit that they do. It's like, oh, we met a man. He gave us five dollars, and then he was gone. Yeah, like, um, and well, that's what happens too. So yeah. no one is in the van. The van that falls off of the mountain that was driving super fast, uh-huh. and the angels were like pushing it to make it go faster, yeah. uh, while the demons were pushing the jeeps behind it to make them go faster. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. This is real. This is real. This is not dead. a joke. This she is... left on foot. No one was uh. driving the van. An angel was driving the van, and then you find out with weed, and this also happens at the same time they both get discovered at the same time with weed he had gotten drugged at the bar right, yeah. the bar for loggers catch that, that yeah. had shuffleboard people played right. shuffleboard at the dive bar for loggers all the time <laughs> mm-hmm. and so yeah. he gets drugged and he's like oh fuck he was like I was so stoned man but then it was like and a, he a gets different out, guy he goes to a gas station it's like a hitman thing right. where you throw the emetic grenade and they're like oh, <laughs> oh and they like pause to figure out where the nearest toilet is and then they go over there yeah. and he goes in there and then I don't no, Agent 47 hits him with the crowbar right. and he's lying on the floor and then an angel comes out of the bathroom drives the truck and crashes oh, it I off the it was, bridge. I thought it was just to crash a it. guy who, yeah. who, who did when that. I he read says, it, I oh this was my car got stolen but then we what have Bernice who was like oh yeah this angel who's a lesbian with a motorcycle gave right. me some milk and a sandwich and then disappeared. Wait. You guys must have also had angels who could also have been lesbians. We don't know. Being Milk and Drive your lesbian did not show up in the abridged version. Uh, AJ, AJ, is this all making more sense now? Are you are you telling me that Frank Peretti just adapted Jesus Take the Wheel into novel form? Yes. <laughs> Essentially. Not only did an angel carjack someone, uh-huh. and not only was it very important to the plot, yes. it happened twice. Twice. <laughs> in a row. At the same time, too. It was just like, like a, angels right, buddy, can do other things. Like, Again, <laughs> I feel like if there had been an editor, and there's like this greasy kid who hangs out at the arcade, and then he gets exorcised of his demons, even though it's clear he was just like strung out on heroin. And then yeah, there's another right. greasy kid who beat up a lady, and then he gets his demons exorcised. But his demons were like, I, I don't know if you caught this, but like when they're exorcising his demons, they're like, "What's your name?" And he's like, "Fortune telling." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I remember fortune telling. Like, I feel feel like this is what Brian is going to say when he's being escorted back to his bed at an old folks home. Just like, it's okay. It's okay, Mr. Alfred. Let's get you to bed. His name was Fortune Teller. By the way, you might think that the stuff we just talked about is like coming close to the book wrapping up. It's no. not. There are it's hundreds not. of pages no, that's left. Like the, this is the big slog that's of before a the last third. This is yeah. like this yeah. is yeah, like about the two thirds point of the book. So it's funny because this is the slog, but it's the most eventful part of the book too. Yeah. Like there's so many things way. that happen. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This happens, it makes it just this suck worse. This, this was the part that I where I stalled out. Like, I could yeah. not get through yeah. it. And I switched to oh, the yeah. book, and then that was too long, and I switched to the bridge version. So yeah. So let's let's wrap up a few more dangling plot threads and get to the conclusion here. For the love of God. Please. This is kind of like heart condition where we just had such a hard time getting through it. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's good. This is a journey. We're on a yes. journey together. Um, I want to read one more, t- again, a tiny quote. Yes. It's in the high school, too. 
The kids are messing around with satanic stuff like you wouldn't believe. <gasps> we used to trip out on drugs. Mm. Now it's demons. Mm. <laughs> this is what Frank Peretti yes. actually believes. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be flashing on the screen it's throughout so this good. entire podcast recording. <laughs> so Susan, uh, again, she being the like number two to the big bad she gets found out. It, it, they find out that she's doing espionage to the big plan and she seems to die. But like we, we just heard, she doesn't actually die. Yeah. Then Marshall goes home. The newspaper editor goes home and is confronted by his daughter and yeah. his daughter at this point. Yeah, his daughter has had this like yogi I guess, right. like teaching her the ways of the new age mm-hmm. this whole time because she got into a fight with her dad at the beginning and she's like, oh, my dad's so difficult. And he's like, what if you hung out with me? And she's like, OK. Yeah, well, it's also that's it. It's yeah. all, what I do appreciate, actually, this is like the one credit I'll give the book is that Marshall at least does take some credit for wrongdoing in their yeah. relationship. He does say that he fucked up in a way that I feel like a lot of conservative media mm. will be like, yeah. well, the kids are the crazy ones and they'll come around eventually. But like he right. actually owns up that he kind of sucks mm-hmm. as a dad. This kind of faulty dude is the favorite type of faulty guy of this mm-hmm. because yeah they at the beginning they listed out that's like well they fight because they're just so much alike and stuff so yeah. oh sure he, she's the approach she's the equivalent degree of wrong uh about about stuff it's just that they're they're too alike and stuff and like he yeah. does end up going like i shortchanged them by working too hard essentially it's some cats <laughs> in the cradle shit by the end yeah. oh, like that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's his primary <laughs> sin is, is not spending enough time and getting back to the basics with the family yeah. kind of thing and yeah. like, so he, they, he, he's that kind of guy of like an easy to repent of sin that just is like, spend more time with your kids. How about you right. throw the softball around on a Saturday morning? <laughs> and, <laughs> and it would be more interesting to make a book where he actually caused some real problems. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like he's actually a bad dude because he ends up being in need of repentance anyway. Right. Yeah. Right. right. So then you just show how big the love of Christ really no, is, even like, on a real yeah. bad guy. Instead, what happens here is that his daughter accuses him of raping her. This is like yeah. the fourth or fifth fa- false a- rape allegation at this point. <laughs> yep. Uh, and it's so again, this this was something that happened in the 80s with all the satanic panic stuff with the McMartin preschool. But again, what was happening in those cases or in the like memory regression thing, it always involved small children or adults who were being put under hypnosis and thinking about things that happened when they were small children. Right. This is all. 20 year old women yeah 23 year old women and the accusations are all just manipulating are being yeah. made against christians and right. not against a yeah. satanic cabal which is what mostly that was used for at least a, right. a lot of the time that again right. i believe peretti probably would have been like holy shit that's legit guys but the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, big, the big thing that this pulls us through to though is now we know that sandy is totally in it right she's totally yeah. taken over by the demons and she has yeah. a demon like head crab she's demon pilled yeah. at this point she's yeah. based in demon pilled and yes. <laughs> where this whole fucking thing ends up after a whole lot more plot including hank and marshall yeah. meeting up in jail for some reason yeah it has to be said that the wikipedia plot synopsis skips like 20 chapters <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah in between and just goes straight to oh they meet in jail and figure out oh right. yeah. there are two sides to this that's war. kind of the turning point like that's supposed to be the big aha moment where like because like hank gets thrown in jail because hank gets uh arrested right and stuff and then right. like marshall it gets arrested and they're in jail and like that they kind of like he kind of tries to do a sort of fake out of like the like uh hank yeah. was in jail then like another 
guy came in who had like a head injury or something and uh, he sits down and it was like then marshall said you're supposed to be like holy shit guys it's the two parts of the story uh, yeah like the whole time everyone's like just wait these two are going to be really important oh shit here they are in the same they're going to play off each other so well there's going to be such character chemistry (laughs) yeah and then basically no but yeah yeah well we have my favorite thing which is when marshall discovers he's not really a christian Mm mm-hmm my favorite mm, thing is the mm, Christian who hasn't yes. been a Christian this whole and time. And this is a trope in Christian literature. Oh. This happens in Left Behind. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the whole oh, point yeah, of Left right, Behind. It's the pastor in yeah. Left Behind. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, there's, it's this guy who has lived all of his life. He's going to church. He believes in Jesus. He believes in God. But somehow, not really. This is a Sunday Christian, folks. Yeah. yeah. So then he, he, he prays the prayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He turns his life over to Christ. While we also have all the God warriors in the parking lot. Yeah. You know, saying, this is dark-sided. Dark. Yeah. I should point out by this point, there's a convoy of Christians just rolling around praying very loudly outside of places. Yeah, yeah. this is yeah. like the Freedom Convoy yeah. uh, <laughs> of the truckers. The, the, the Queen of Canada shows up. It's right. Yeah. Yeah. This like cloud of demons has come into town and the day starts and it's like it was a usual Sunday except cars didn't start right and the lawnmowers kept giving out. So it's like Frank Peretti's version of the actual fucking demonic apocalypse coming to town is just that song in the Fantastics where everyone wakes up a little too early. Yeah. <laughs> This plum is too ripe. Sorry. Please don't watch me while I'm eating. Sorry. You're about to drown at Magnolia. Sorry. You're standing in my kumquat sorry for those who love the fantastics <laughs> yeah, that's, who's that for i mean it's for me it's yeah. the one good song in the score is what it, it is, is. You're, you're so to fucking remember. wrong holy you're shit so wrong whoa 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 is there another good song in the fantastics yeah, tell me the songs all the songs are great in high school oh fuck you both fuck they are you, terrible bitch. i like i like the fantastics you're, you're, you're gonna defend the i can't believe i'm on a podcast with two fantastics <laughs> defenders listen, listen. defenders of tom jones but not that tom jones I, a different that one. one speaking as someone who won the outstanding acting award in the Michigan State <laughs> Theater One Act Festival wow, for my portrayal of Bellamy. Uh, yeah, I'm going to defend the Fantastics because that is A, the most important prize I've ever uh, won, uh, and B, uh, everything <laughs> wow. since then has been one long emotional letdown for me. So, sure, fuck yes. you. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> I will defend the Fantastics as much as I like on this show. I will defend the Fantastics up to a certain point, but it depends on you what you pay. You have demons. You have demons on your on shoulders. You Their names are dilly-dallying and lost productivity. <laughs> the, well, what's funny is that, like, uh, so much of what the demons and angels get up to is like swaying mundane little votes and stuff. Yeah. So you get your award was actually, you know, the product. You didn't see the spiritual warfare behind you getting that award. Yeah, we only really get to the action at the very end. Very, like the very, very end. end. Very that, that's the first time we actually like truly see them fight. Uh, if there's one thing that Frank Peretti learned from Sissy Hypno, it was edging. <laughs> so... Because everything builds to this big battle. You know, Sandy uh, is going to get initiated into the organization, by which I mean 
uh, she is going to get possessed by a demon named Madeline who will kill her. Yeah, Madeline, who was like also like a this is like a trans demon. And by this point, like I was basically dissociating. Um, <laughs> two big battles going on here. One on the physical plane, the other on the spiritual plane. The stakes could not be more confusing. Yeah, yeah, so the actual stakes at this point are... A college might get bought by a company. Right. Yes. And, and then, the, then they're going to make the kids all one by one get enslaved and top themselves because of demons. Exactly. And, and that they're is apparently what they're going to do everywhere in their quest to dot, dot, dot. Hard to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Make everyone Buddhist. We just introduce uh, a MacGuffin. Just have like God's giant cock at the center of town <laughs> and all the demons are trying this is, to defeat you know, this. Is what oh. when you bring a Catholic yeah. into this, you start having relics. Right. Yeah. Yes, that's true. That's true. If you just want to kill kids, yeah. there are simpler and less expensive ways to do that probably but so eventually what happens is the feds i guess find out that like inside this building there's a, yeah there is a somebody series in, of there's phone a woman calls in danger. that all happen at once mm -hmm. we get this sentence which i love <laughs> oh, with regard God. to the feds going into the building where sandy is being given sissy hypno and i yeah, quote yeah. the vips ran into the building with serious business in their eyes and guns in their hands. <laughs> and also, this town has been taken over by, like, police from another town over. Right. Yeah. For some reason, oh, it you gets know. so convoluted. And then the, the cult leader who also runs the, the Shell Corporation that's buying everything, he has possessed himself with the big boy or right, whatever his right, name right. is. Strong man, <laughs> yes. Strong man, yeah. Uh, Scott, Scott, you were going to say? Oh, I was going to say, so one of the funny things about this is, I, I didn't want to pass this, is the how these feds get there is so there's this whole thing of like who's got the files that prove the financials right. who's got the file uh, that is a large driver yeah there's your of, MacGuffin of, yeah. it's the fucking files or so whatever the files show something and they take don't it to another the accountant show. and the, the other accountant says okay cool I figured this out and then someone's like okay well I'll call my one friend of the New York Times and then you call your friend and he for he is the attorney general and then this guy and then call the FBI just call the FBI let's just call mm -hmm. the FBI guys yeah. and then yeah. and so when like literally at one point when Bernice sort of like drops the hammer on Alf and is like you're fucked man I called and he's like <laughs> I called the police and the FBI and the feds and the attorney general it's like listing off and like at one point you know when, when the all whole, in like 10 minutes yeah when they were the, all yeah, like one prayer, call after the when next. the prayer hammers start you know when the other shoe of the prayer starts dropping at the end <laughs> right after Marshall and Hank meet in the cell it's Bernice by a phone and it's just one call after another of like, hello, ma'am, this is the FBI's or a problem. And she goes, yeah, you got to go to the college. And it's like, ring, ring. Hi, this is the attorney general. Yeah. I heard some weird shit. going, oh my God, can you go to the college by 2 p.m.? And then literally it just keeps <laughs> happening over and over again. And that is a guidepost ass thing to happen yes, because yes. you can't just be like a bunch of things the happen. angels like, make the calls and happen immediately afterwards right after that this happened and then right after that this happened because yeah that's how you tell the story to, to say oh god lined it up in well there's even a kicker way. line in yeah, there yeah, yeah, yeah. where i think it's yeah. bernice who's like well looks like god really is showing up today or yeah, something or like, weird I, like that. I never thought i'd see a miracle they also something. need to make the calls that fast because they know all the calls are being tracked right but then they go to to Alf Brummel's office and he hasn't been listening to the call. Yeah, anyway. it's so bizarre. It's just the fact that like, yes, uh, the entire government will show up for this small yeah. town college uh, fiscal misappropriation <laughs> issue. Yeah, then like Lucius turns against uh, Rafar, which means that like the demons are more 
uh, in disarray because now everything is like the angels are focused and the demons are against each other. There's like a coup. And then the old lady finds out what Rafar's name is because God gives her a vision that almost kills her in the parking lot. (laughs) And then she's like, we gotta pray. We bind you, Rafar. Yeah, let's uh, let's read this real quick. Yeah, Um, this was the actual part of the book. Like Of everything that happened in the book, this bit right here was the most... Okay, you're just half-assing it at this point. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. no... You could have set this up somehow, but no. Yeah, as someone who's, like, raced to the end of a first draft before, <laughs> I can yeah. recognize when someone's not giving it their all. And this is the most... God, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Uh, it gets a vision from God. It's hard to be. call anything in this book a, a deus ex machina, because the entire thing is just deus everywhere. That's but the yeah. thing is, it's like, God is supposed to be in the machine, but stuff keeps coming from outside. Yeah. It's like, why do you need feds when you have the Lord? <laughs> Edith started to weep. There's still an evil spirit out there. She cried. He's doing great mischief. His name is, uh, Raphael. Raving. Bobby Corsi spoke up. Rafar! Edith looked at him with wide eyes. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's the name the Lord's impressing on me. Rafar! Bobby said. (laughs) Bobby said again. (laughs) He's the big wheel! Did we jump? So there's we jump forward a little here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a little. Tal could only back away from the fearsome onslaught of the demon prince, his once good hand still holding his sword up for defense. Rafar kept swinging and slashing, the sparks flying from the blades as they met. Tal's arm sank lower with each blow. The Lord rebuke you! Tal found the breath to say again. And then another dot, and we're back. Edith Duster was on her feet and ready to shout it to the heavens. Rafar, you wicked prince of evil, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke you! Uh, we jump again. Rafar's blade zinged over Tal's head. It missed. All together now. We bind you! Shouted the remnant. The big yellow eyes winced. We cast you out, Andy said. There was a puff of of sulfur and Rafar bent down. Tal leaped to his feet. We will rebuke you, Rafar. Rafar screamed. Tal's blade had torn him open. Yes, this single combat between Rafar. I don't know why we have... Why we even have the strong man? Because Rafar has yeah. been the guy the well, whole right. time. We also have the general, who, by the way, here come comes the yet. general. Yeah, not not the not the general <laughs> from the commercials, but the, uh, there's this, like there's a there's a thing where like the that strong man and general are like you know positions essentially, and like the strong man is sort of like a the general of demons, yeah. and so like only the masters of of them get to know their names. Which Ascended I was like, masters, I was like, yeah. okay, you're getting into yeah. some interesting lore here about like knowledge spreading and like whose true names yeah. are what and i was like literally by the way that whole thing of like strongman is a position and no one so no one knows the actual demon's name because of that yeah one interesting bit of lore in this entire thing because that's not in the bible or anything that's yeah. just something that frank just whipped out and i was like that's actually interesting because it's like yeah hey, cool this is like a, there's actually something unknown in this entire book sure. yeah. i don't know this uh-huh. guy's name but then they also have the general on the angel side, and I'm like, why don't we get his? Like, what is it like, General Steve or something? Like, why don't we? <laughs> why don't we know who that is? And the general's not really a character up until the very no, end of it. No. He just shows up as their sort it's... of OP guy, and he takes on the strong man, who is the most 
powerful guy in it. And then there's kind of the second in command sort of. Yeah, I mean, the strongman just gets owned. Like, that's all that happens to him. Straight up. Like, slobbering in a a conference room. It's strange. (laughs) Yeah, we should probably talk about how he gets owned, because this is preposterous. All this is absolutely absolutely ridiculous. I just read it this morning, and I don't know what to tell you. It's just, he gets prayed at, and it's just like you have three prayer warriors including like the pastor and the the editor walk into the room and each of them have two burly dudes with them and then they just go to town yeah <laughs> go to town on him and while that's happening because he has been volunt he's voluntarily possessed the cult leader dude he's like his eyes are popping out he's like growing fangs and he's slobbering all over the table he's like You'll never defeat me. And then all of his lawyers are like, uh, uh, can we strike that from the record? Yeah, this is very 80s in the sense that they kind of keep bringing up lawyers as like evil and funny. Yeah, kind of right. Thing. It's yeah. like, they're like, oh, then there was a lawyer there. And you know how those guys are. <laughs> the game was won six chapters earlier. Right. Yeah. And now it's all just happening. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're, we're kind of getting the, yeah, it's all the other shoes dropping at once, and they are terrible shoes. And then that that evil psychology woman, Langstrat, she gets shot by the police yeah. chief because yeah. the demons are fighting. Dome, bang! Yeah, he literally just <laughs> shoots her. I was just like, oh wow, okay, yeah, that you're right, that would solve this. All these bad people, I guess. And everything, you know, it closes out. With the angels having defeated the demons, all the relationships get mended. Everything's mended. Yep. It's happy. Yeah, the, the uh, town is in revival now. <laughs> it, and uh, yep. until smile the long, he smiles a long smile, and he says, "Let's be off." And then he uh, flies away to Brazil. Yeah, he's <laughs> going to Brazil. <laughs> that's the sort of like this is again the cinematic thing, or like the I read a bunch of adventure stories thing of the like, okay, we finished it, and now someone goes. Yeah, but if you're ready for the real adventure, let's right. go off to whatever. It's the end of Lord of the Rings, let's hunt some orc line yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. That yeah. kind of thing where he's like, going off to Brazil, the revival's going well there, but blah, blah. You ready for a real mission? And Tal's like, fuck yeah, man. Yeah. And we <laughs> were also, like, ah. I listened to it at double speed, and let me tell you something. If you're listening to this at double speed, all the repetitions of Peretti start to sound like popcorn popping. Yes. <laughs> I <laughs> <laughs> so I've read a couple of other Frank Peretti books. They're much better written than this. The story still always kind of falls apart, but the prose is higher quality. Sure. Um, I read part of The Oath. The Oath is about, Scott, you'd like this. It's about a small mining town up in the mountains uh-huh. that has a, a deep evil lurking within it. Because I, I, I ripped this off for Night of the Woods. <laughs> in the early 19th century, they signed a charter that said that they had to kill every Christian who ever wanted to move in. Oh! Just Dang. like Possum Springs. That is such a stupid <laughs> plot. That, that is just so unbelievably stupid that you could make a good story out of that. Yeah. Because, yeah. But you would have to write it in a way where it's like, this is sort of like a folkloric weird thing. Yeah. Like You would have to be really non-literal and poetic about it or something. Like You can make like a Nick Cave song out of this or something. <laughs> yeah. it, would be, it would rule. But, then, but if you're writing in this sort of style that Peretti does, at least in my experience with him, where he tries to do that sort of like, these are, these are, there's some mundane reality that all this spirituality is like suffusing. Like there's some actual, yeah. like at one point, average guy, Steve is going to be there or something. <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. like, that's the kind of story where you need no one to be a recognizable human at all yeah. for, to make it work. Yeah. And then uh, he wrote I, another one that I read was called monster. 
which is about a couple people who get ripped apart by some big beasts in the woods, and then someone hangs out with Sasquatches for most of the book. Hmm. But it turns out the beasts oh. that killed the guy were actually chimpanzees that were being stitched together by a mad evolutionary scientist oh, shit. Oh, to show yeah. that did evolution the, doesn't work. Did the Sasquatches, like, did they come to Jesus? No, the Sasquatches are good though, and they are all like the woman who hangs they're out cool with them. They're cool and they're good, and they're my friends. Uh, yeah. Names them uh, Jacob, Leah, and Rachel because they're also Polly. Uh, and uh, uh, I'm so sorry. I'm just picturing the Sasquatches with big old cro- crucifixes around their necks, just going. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like the, the Calvin praying like bumper yes. sticker being the Sasquatch <laughs> or something. Yeah, but he's got like he's got a football. He's doing the Tim Tebow knee like kneeling thing or whatever. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And yeah. I read House, which has nothing to do with the classic Japanese film um, it's about some people who end up in a house in Alabama which is run by a bunch of inbred demons mm-hmm. um, and inbred one lady demons? yeah yeah How? yeah they re- they're described as inbreds the whole time and then it turns out that they're demons and they're punishing everyone oh, and they pick okay. them off one by one for their sins and the last lady left standing is a woman who acknowledges that she's a big old slut and then finally turns her life to Jesus How, How are demons reproducing in this very like, carefully yeah. There you go. Because, uh, like, the whole, like, one of my issues with this book and, in, and actually this entire thing, because there was a lot of, after this, there was a lot of media that was like, okay, kids, like, this sort of unlocked within Christian media. Okay, we can do fantasy yeah. now. We can do yeah. action now. We yeah. can do, like, we can do superheroes now because of, uh, and we can do this sort of, like, horror fiction type thing because we just make it all spiritual warfare. But, because of the cosmology of the world, one, it never makes any sense <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, and uh, some of us leave the church for this reason. But the uh, mm. the stakes are really, 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 really vague. Like in the sense mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. everything yeah. is so you end up getting those. And I don't know. I'm sure there's an like, actual term for this. I never came up with one. But at, around this time, let's say 70s, 80s into the 90s. There's this huge focus on all these societal problems, be it like adultery or like drugs or suicide or all these other things like that they can frame as both an individual choice, but also like we're in the era of this kind of thing. This is like evidence of a fallen world sort of deal as being individual battles, huge, huge Mm -hmm. conflicts or something like there's that thing of like the guy like shooting up and but he's shooting into like Jesus's arm or something. Yeah, like that's like a really personal version of it, but it's like the and there's like Christian music songs that are like, does he still feel the nails every time I fail and stuff where it's like a okay, you've you have now elevated your personal <laughs> mundane bullshit to just operatic levels. I think what's interesting about it, too, is that, yeah, like it is something that lives in the realm of the personal for these mm-hmm. people uh, in terms of how it is addressed through media and so on. Right. Sure. But it is not in the realm of the personal when it comes to how laws are made. Right. Like, it is mm. it is this weird disjunct between because this would be a funny thing maybe to read and laugh at if it was just like this is sort of a quaint little thing mm-hmm. and ultimately it doesn't really mean much. But especially in some of Preddy's later work, like there's a book Prophet, for instance, which is all about like the abortionists and how they are ruining everything for everyone. Mm-hmm. And, you oh, know, God. like like we were saying too. Uh, piercing the darkness is sort of like an ACLU stand-in is the main antagonist there. I think it's literally the ACLU. Oh, it might be the ACLU. Yeah. Um, but the point is, you know, these people are not content to just have this be an issue of personal 
uh, yeah. successes or failings. It is part of a broader culture war. Right. And this sort of thing laid the groundwork that gave people the vocabulary and the framing yeah. to push for these laws over right. the course of the next few decades. Right. Yeah. And I think that it, it does it, it does important work. And again, it wasn't the only thing, but this was the big like this. This was like the boom that, that like wasn't you didn't have to go to particular meetings of uh, stuff. You could just read mm -hmm. this book. But it was a way yeah. of taking stuff that I think a lot of Christians were embarrassed by the sort of like revival tent ramp, like ravings and uh -huh. stuff. Yeah. And, and bring it into. No, these are respectable men. And okay, and, and a few women, and uh, a and, woman, yeah, um, yeah. And a woman, and increasingly women, uh, who uh, <laughs> they're just they're in a town just like you, and all their struggles about what what is being taught in classes, like what is yes. yep. your what who is who is the pastor of this of this church, and like is he too liberal, and does he like want to save yeah. the whales too much, etc. And like um, right. it takes that from the kind of fire and brimstone thing, and makes it something that now it's like no, it's these are essentially the troops. And you're helping the troops and stuff right. in the same way that yeah. like yeah. during that kind of late Cold War thing, it's like, well, the Russians are going to invade. Like we're all going to have to like be like ready for this and kind of thing. It has a very Cold War mentality to it of like the we're constantly in this simmering conflict mm -hmm. and they could mm -hmm. invade at any time. But we in the, the good guys are here, but we all need to be ready to kind of do our part. And we are all like prayer warriors and that kind of thing. So when yeah. you are like, I really want that promotion at work. But that that other guy got it for some reason. Now that takes on the realm of the spiritual. That is a mm -hmm. massive fantasy thing. Or when like, yeah. you know, there's a, you know, Mitt Romney is up for 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 vote to go back to Michael Lee Smith. The uh, yeah. or something that's not just. Yeah, he's a milk toast, shitty Republican Mormon guy. It's no, this is a battle for the souls of all men. This could be the first domino to fall, just like Ashton kind of thing. And it's yeah. And that's the thing. It, it trans. It, it brilliantly, I mean, that's the one thing it does It's that's brilliant is that it does a really good job of taking stuff that Christians would be very ashamed to just admit that they believe yeah. in yeah. and make it part of yuppie life in the yep. 80s, essentially. And, and it's no coincidence either that this stuff finds its apotheosis in the Trump administration. The fact right. that they were able to then take all of that stuff and say, you know, here's the justices. We got to get him in office to, mm -hmm. you know, uphold these laws. Trump's our guy. He was ordained by God. He might not be the perfect messenger, but he's going to fucking make it happen. Right. That takeover of a lot of Christian stuff, Christian culture by th this more fired up average shows. It kind of uh, with this very everything is the apocalypse. Everything is apocalyptic. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. even something small. That's the first stop or the last possible stop before the apocalypse hits that like, if you look at even like the, the anti-abortion movement, you know, it's very Catholic, very intellectual. The only way that they really get it over the edge is they figure out how to bring essentially this sort of very reactionary apocalyptic evangelicals on. And they're the ones who are just so fucking fired up all the goddamn time that th because everything is a life or death thing, everything yeah. is like apocalyptic that they'll go, they just do not give a fuck. And that becomes like the voice of, you know, moral majority type thing. Well, so what was interesting to me about it, other than like looking at just all the people I've known since that were so influenced by this theology and, uh, and the interest of how it mainstreams a lot of stuff that would have been seen as embarrassing by your more like, you know, buttoned up kind of Christians. Because yeah. this wasn't just popular with with like Pentecostals, it was po it was popular with fairly milk toast mainline people yeah. who took it 
as yeah. essentially metaphor, sort of, mm-hmm. but it means the same. Yeah. Basic and you can thing. see ways that like Peretti gets vague with like liturgy or even the prayers. He just usually just says, right. Oh, and they prayed. And, and they the prayed. Same way that he says, yeah, oh, and they cussed. Whatever you, you know? want. Yeah. We're, uh-huh. we're in such a weird, shitty, awful time at that point in culture. And you have this rising hyper reactionary, uh, very, it matches the sort of new agey thing of like, we're, we're bringing all this like big, uh, huge spiritual, whatever into your just dumbass suburban life and saying like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Like you, you getting this job or not getting this job is like because of energy and manifesting and all this other stuff. Like mm-hmm. we're going to make everything cosmic. He's just matching that. And like, mm-hmm. I think yeah. that it, it mm-hmm. suits a lot of the same needs in that sense of like, yeah. You are a probably a white person who bought this book and you are looking for why your life is more dramatic than it feels like your your dumb little struggles that you go through. You can't just take solace in the fact that you're human and that this means something or that you relate to other people or you're feeling this or anything. No, it has to be connected to the spiritual realm. Huge powers need to be contending for this all the time. Fucking vote for Reagan. Uh, that kind of thing. Your small business. Yeah. Do you want it to get shut down and taken yeah. over by immigrants yeah. and lesbians <laughs> yeah. and stuff like it's that it's that kind of thing and that's what that's what I think is sort of um, brilliant about it is that it 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 takes all of the conflicts in this are so small but it links every really awful thing that do does that does yeah. happen to people into yeah. this tiny little conflict over what who what are what are the what are the kids learning in school now I bet it's shit that makes yeah. them mad at me at Christmas when they come home right kind of thing. right. Yeah, yeah, they're it, being it, brainwashed, that, right? Yeah, it's that moment where this is happening, that post-60s meltdown, but when Reagan has already come in, so now there's like a growing sense of we are the growing establishment yeah. power kind of thing. We're no longer just freaking out. We're going to exact our power. We're going to exert our power kind of thing. Well, and it's interesting to go back to that quote from the publisher then, right? That, you know, there's 35 or 40 million people in this country who are really upset with the way things are mm-hmm. in 1989. And for once, their side is not beaten down. They win. When they have been winning and winning and winning and winning, they feel even more aggrieved as their victories keep coming. And we're seeing that today. Still true now. Yeah. Yeah. Theologically, Um, you you cannot win in this. Like you can fight and you can win battles, but you can never be in a winning position and have this theology make sense. So the battle has to keep going on. There have to constantly be demons that you have to pray away, that you have to fight because the whole thing falls apart the minute there's peace. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. So take your take your kid, do deliverance on them and cast them out because they, <laughs> they said a curse word or something there we go. like. Yeah. So, Scott, is there anything specifically that you wanted to pitch or anything like that as, as we wrap up here? Oh, yeah, I have something to pitch to you. Um, a little Good. guy named Jesus. Mm. <laughs> right. Oh, wow. Has, if you just with every eye bowed and every eye closed. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, no. Wow, you got um, a folding chair that you've turned around? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> You're strapped you backwards? I need, I need an acoustic guitar with like light reverb to start strumming mm-hmm. silently yeah. in the background yeah. and stuff. And then da, da, someone's going to raise their hand. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't have anything to pitch, but watch this space for 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 something. Sick. There you Woo-hoo. go. Yeah. That's great. Isn't, isn't that uh, that's an amazing like tease of like something. Something big is coming soon. So one of the interesting things about the antagonist in this present darkness, that being the global New Age movement, is that so much of it finds its roots in the early 19th century Great Awakening. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Spiritualism comes out of the exact same conditions that brought us the explosion in evangelicalism, in Adventism, in Mormonism. Mm. It's all the same stuff. Even though as it diverges, as it ventures around throughout the late 19th century into the, the 20th century, it becomes more strange, more foreign, more Asian. And now we see with QAnon, mm. these things are merging yeah. back mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Yeah. There is a huge contingent of new agey people who believe in this same stuff for the same reason as the evangelical people. Yeah. Because yeah. of cosmologies like this that show they really believe the same things, just on different sides. Right. It's, it serves the same dramatic needs. Peretti shows mm. so many times these demons that appear exactly the same as angels. And yet he still wants you to buy his angels. Yeah. Mm. Don't buy the angels. <laughs> Don't buy the angels, kid. <laughs> I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. I'm the worst of all possible AJ's. And I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. I'm a pretty half decent Scott for for my area <laughs> in the region. <laughs> Probably yes. the best Scott in the greater Pittsburgh the, region. Yeah, like when it comes to similar to the angels and demons, a great like, Scott. we have territorial Scots. And, uh, and, uh, I'm, the, I'm, I'm the actual uh, fifth best Scott in southwestern Pennsylvania. Well, there we go. So many possible worlds, but we got this. All right, folks, that's it for this one. If you're not already, you can go ahead and follow Scott over on Twitter and Instagram at BombsFall. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Spox underscore Brian. If you want to follow Josh, he's at BoshJ. If you want to follow AJ, he's at the Fuzzy Mask. And if you want to follow the worst of all possible worlds, that's at T-W-O-A-P-W, the first letter of each word. Now, this show is not brought to you by product sponsorships. We don't intend for it to be brought to you by product sponsorships. We are brought to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash worst of all. And if you sign up over there, you can get access to our entire backlog of premium episodes. Plus, if you sign up at the $10 tier, you can get access to our new monthly uh, lads cast where we just shoot the shit off the cuff, talk about things that are going on in our lives. Again, that is patreon.com slash worst of all. Our music is by Brendan Dalton, and we'll see you next time. Stay safe. <laughs>